0: Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I just want to let you know that I'm going to be putting more focus into this podcast. I've been reaching out to people that I that I want to talk to that may not be comics. I'm going to go, I'm going to take this podcast a little bit to the next level. We're also adding, and this week will be the first one, we don't know what day it'll drop, but we're adding a solo podcast to this podcast where I will just talk by myself. Um, that is basically, I'll be going through everything I googled throughout the week and kind of looking to jump off into stories about my life so that I can help write material for my next hour. Um, I know Bill says it's super useful. Dalia, I just talked to him yesterday. By the way, he'll be coming on the podcast. New episodes of Something's Burnins coming out from ATC. Um, but, but yeah, so that's what's going on with the podcast. I'm here with Leanne. We're fighting today.
1: We've been with each other a lot.
0: It's been too much.
1: We've been around each other a lot.
0: And all I'm looking down the barrel of is the girls going to high school and then this is our lives.
1: Yeah. Except you'll still be traveling. That'll be the saving grace.
0: A lot. I may need you to go on the road. Probably, I just emailed her about going to Europe for two weeks, and she started to reply and stopped. And I was like, "Oh, she's pissed at me."
1: How do you know I started to reply? Because
0: I watched the bubble appear. And I, I read
1: it, it, but that doesn't no, mean. And then
0: you started to reply. No, but just you started to no, reply. No, just
1: it just means that See, I read is, it.
0: This is what it's been like in our family
1: because you assumed something. And that's I'm incorrect. still
0: sick. I'm still sick. Leanne is done with her sickness.
1: I'm not done
0: do you see she's just everything's no no because you
1: know why is no because because you put words in my mouth and you make assumptions based on no fact whatsoever and I, i don't function well like that
0: uh i'm running the la marathon this week are we do you want us to come like cheer you on or something
1: and you keep doing that shit constantly. My family doesn't care about if me If my wife the was running the LA
0: Marathon, I would have already planned out.
1: There is a party on Sunday I, for af- you. Yeah,
0: I'm Ubering to the marathon and then Ubering home from the marathon.
1: I'm happy to take you and drop you off at the marathon, but you've told me no. I've t- said we we're going to go watch it, and you told me no. We can't get to it. It's... Martyr man.
0: So, it's been a good two weeks here. We've all been sick. We're at the tail end of it. Oh, now she's fake coughing. Just so that everyone knows she's Get still sick. Get me
1: out of this raid. Let's go. Come on. <laughs>
0: All right, guys. This podcast is brought to you by 4Hymns, a new wellness brand for men. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. Tom Segura is 37, and it is too late for him. It's too late for him because he didn't see the train coming down the track, and he thought, "Huh, eh, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Maybe I, I don't want to go to a doctor. I don't want to have an awkward conversation with a doctor. I did. I, I did it at 22, and I started taking Rogaine, and I started Minoxidil, which 4 Hims has, and I still have hair. I still have a beautiful head of hair. When you watch my special coming out on Netflix very shortly, you're going to say to yourself, God damn it. He looks good.
1: He has a lot of hair. He has
0: a lot of fucking hair.
1: Maybe not on his head, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How you feel a year from now. You want it to be business as usual. Baldness is now just an option. Four Hims is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skincare, sexual wellness, all for men. They connect you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil bullshit. No Red Band gas station boner pills. Prescriptions... That are solutions backed by science. You don't have to go to a waiting room. You don't have to sit with a doctor and tell them, I want to fuck like a, like a fucking... Like a, a... Fucker. No, not like a fucker. I want to fuck like a...
1: Motherfucker.
0: Brazilian on Mardi Gras. Wow, uh, On Mardi Gras. I think they do Mardi Gras. Is that what I went for?
1: I think it's carnival.
0: Carnival. I want to fuck like a Brazilian on carnival on the beach. And I, but I'm just going to Omaha, and I was wondering, can you? No, you don't have to worry about any of that shit. This is so easy. All you got to do is go online. Doctor's going to ask you a few questions. You answer them. Doctor will review it, and he'll prescribe it to you. Products are shipped directly to your door. And that, let me tell you something. I did that with all my medication, and now it's so nice to have all my hair loss medication just shipped to me. I'm not sitting there going, God damn it. It's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm out of freaking Minoxidil. I got to go run to fucking write it. It is drip, set, shipped directly to your door. My listeners right now, order now. Because my listeners right now get a free trial month of HIMS for just $5 today right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to 4HIMS.com slash BurtCast. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash BurtCast forhims.com slash cast don't be like Tom Segura keep your hair I, I'm certain that sexual problems will arise with him and Christina <laughs> and he will not that you know by his behaviors he doesn't care to get in front of the train me and my well, wife he will, likes it
1: from behind ah uh, ah uh, ah
0: uh, ooh she is fucking salty this was week was that
1: a leantic
0: that's a leantic <laughs> Uh, Just real quick, I got to tell you this. Um, The Burtcast is now on Spotify, so it's available on Spotify. Spotify is making it easier for you to stream this podcast and many others on your mobile device, just like wah! wah.
1: Yeah,
0: Like Leanne's podcast, Wife of the Party. Uh, They make it easier for you to stream like this on your mobile device, desktop app, or smart speaker. Open the app on YouTube your mobile or desktop, click on the browse channel and then click on podcast section. Take us with you wherever you go on Spotify. It's super easy. Go check it out on Spotify. And all I also got to mention, like if you're not into Spotify, my buddy Ned uh, over at laughable has a fantastic app. Um, If you haven't already, go to the Laughable app. It's called Laughable. It's super easy. You can actually do it through Siri. You can go, hey, Siri, download Laughable. And it literally takes, oh, shit, it just downloaded it.
2: Looking for Laughable and look up
1: literally takes, oh, shit, just. What the fuck did you say?
0: I don't know. Oh, oh! I just said, oh shit! She just. Um, it takes five seconds. It's the best rated top. It's the best rated podcast app for the iPhone by far. And you can search me. You can search uh, Tom Segura's and Christina Paczynski's, uh Your Mom's House. You can obviously Rogan. What's really great is like, say, uh, if you you like the podcast I do today with James Michael, uh, you can find him on his podcast there. You can find him on any other podcast he's been on, and you can and. and and that's, it, that's what's great about this app.
1: That is a really great feature.
0: Yeah, it's not just about comedy. It's, just about, it's about podcasting. Yeah. So if you like someone, you can find them as a host or a guest. It's not just comedy. It's thousands of non-comedy shows. So you should be doing all your podcasts there. So once again, tell Siri, hey, Siri, download Laughable. Give it a try. You'll never go back to using whatever app you're currently losing. If you already have been using Laughable... Tell your fucking friends. Tell them to download it. Mention it. You know that that's how podcasting got big is word of mouth. Well, let's help these apps that support podcasting. Let's help them get big. Spread the word. Laughable is the best podcast app out there, and it's not just for comedy but for all podcast listening. And if you have an Android, uh, sign up to be notified when Laughable has the app ready for you at laughable.com. Ned, you know I love you. (laughs) <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Georgia's Great Night Sleep.
1: Yes, she loves it.
0: Thank you, Lisa Mattresses. Yes. Lisa uh, sent us a, po- a mattress. And a pillow. And a pillow. For Ju- That's the... the
1: That's the I saw that
0: fucking pillow that and I was like... That pillow
1: rocks. She loves the mattress, but she really loves that pillow.
0: Um, driven by the mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, mm-hmm. Lisa donates one mattress to a shelter for every 10 they sell, through their one ten program, That's great. over twenty two thousand mattresses have been donated That's so amazing. far. That's amazing. That's really you know you forget that it without a good night's sleep, the day sucks. Yeah. And so to send fantastic, dude, it's the same night's sleep my daughter's getting. Yeah. To give that to twenty two thousand people, probably some people are doubling up, so maybe forty two thousand people. Maybe
1: it could be forty four because twenty two times two is. 45.
0: Lisa also plants one tree for every mattress sold and donates one percent of each employee's time to volunteer for local causes. Available online or at Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York and Virginia Beach. Those are two odd places to have yeah. companies. I'm well, sure Soho's
1: they're... not. <laughs> but Soho Beach. or, 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 Virginia, or Virginia, Be- Beach. Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach is a little odd.
0: American-made mattresses ship in compressed boxes to your door. Try the mattress in your home for 100 nights risk-free with free shipping always. You can now try before you buy at over... 80 West Elm stores nationwide. What? At over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. There you go. At over 80 West Elm stores nationwide. Lisa's patented universal adapted feel is designed for all types of sleepers and features three premium foam layers, two inch Avena. Foam top layer for cooling and breathability. By the way, I could use that. I'm sweating my ass off in bed lately. Are you? Yes. I'm waking up every night soaking fucking wet. I think
1: that's called the flu.
0: Two inch memory foam. Middle layer for body contouring and pressure relief. I might be sleeping in Georgia's bed while she's in here. Her
1: bed is really crazy comfortable.
0: Six-inch dense core foam for durability and structure for fle- sleepers of all sizes. B Corp certified, Shopify build a business winner, Forbes 20 startup to watch, internet retail is faster growing, retail in 2015, Forbes next billion startup in 2017, these motherfuckers are hitting it out of the goddamn park. It's available in the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Germany. Sorry, Norway, you can suck it. Lisa is continuing to expand its offers to include the Lisa pillow, blankets, sheets, foundation, and frame, all available online with free shipping. Here's what you do to get one. Go to Lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A.com, slash burtcast. Four. are you ready for this jaw dropper what a hundred dollars off a lisa mattress
1: whoa and they're really reasonably priced to start with
0: that's lisa.com slash for a hundred dollars off the lisa mattress
1: and when we bought ours we got um the pillow for free i don't know if they saw that promotion but <laughs> that pillow is worth it if you're going to get the mattress, get the pillow
2: too.
0: I appreciate you guys listening to these reads for advertisings. Obviously, this keeps the podcast going. And and it, it is one of the reasons I focus so hard on it. And I'm driving so hard on it. Uh, and and they've changed our lives. These, these companies that have integrated. For Hims, obviously, is a company that I use. And uh, Lisa
1: Mattress we use.
0: Lisa Mattress Laughable we use. Laughable we use. Laughable we use that app. I do use Spotify. This one. We Easily. Yep. Squarespace. Yep. Uh, Leanne, talk to us about Squarespace.
1: Squarespace is awesome. I just got a compliment actually this week from a listener about our Squarespace website And we how had good a, it was. We
0: had a website and Leanne went in and changed it on her own. Did it all by herself. Leanne is not technologically advanced. No. And she created this website that literally changed our business. Changed our business top to bottom. It increased our sales. It increased my ticket sales. It increased everything because it was so easy to use. Yeah. It's easy to use because it's easy to put together. That's right. It's just easy across the board. Yeah. So everything works easy for... E- that's all you want... It's someone not to get confused.
1: It's just super intuitive. Yeah, it's a really intuitive site.
0: You can turn your cool ideas, ideas into a website right now. Showcase your work, your blog, your vlog, your, any content you want to put out. You can sell products and, you can, and your services of all kind. Promote your physical or online business. Announce upcoming events, special projects. We do all of this.
1: You can make a wedding website, you can make a sports uh, team website, you can make a grade level website for your kid's grade.
0: It's beautiful templates created by world-class designers Powerful e-commerce functionality, and by the way, we'll be we will be accessing and using Squarespace when when our challenge coins are ready. That's what they're called. Yes. It's called a challenge coin. We've just sent in the design. We're getting a thousand made. We're just going to make a thousand of these. But okay? please,
1: please hold off on your emails. Bert will announce how to get one when they're ready. And so, this is also going to take hold a
0: minute of us figuring out the square. Mm. It, so easy. It can't, it, we, we know it can be done. So like oh, in yeah. the past I would be like, I don't know. It seems too complicated. But it's When I said to be. Leanne, I was like, I want to do this. She goes, Oh, Squarespace has got a thing for that. Yeah. Squarespace is so freaking easy. If you need a website, just do it yourself. Do it through Squarespace. If you've got a business, a website, Squarespace, keep dreaming, make it a reality. Here's the deal. Go to squarespace.com. For a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. Enter the code BERTCAST. You heard me. Squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code BERTCAST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. All you real estate bogers, gamers, consultants, healthcare people, writers, bloggers, photographers, designers, jewelry designers, instrument makers, label makers, producers, food producers, wedding professionals, architects, galleries, Squarespace, make it a reality. Nice. How much time is that, Halston? 15. Um, 15 minutes guys that's not bad that's not not bad bad. at all guys no yeah I got tour dates coming up I'm in Grand Rapids this weekend I'm in uh Sacramento the weekend after that and that's all I really want to say to you Mm -hmm. uh are you better leave you feel better Leanne I feel better yeah yeah do you feel better you woke up rough this morning
1: no I didn't wake up rough when
0: I yelled for you yeah you came in hot
1: yeah well yeah
0: yeah. And then when I asked you to scratch my back, you went.
1: <sighs> oh, because I was in the middle of doing like 80 other things. And I ran out of time to, not because I was scratching your back, but because of other things, I ran out of time to work she out. To this and podcast. I got really frustrated. Shit
0: on her now. Tear her down right now.
1: Who are you talking about? You
0: know who I'm talking about. The person that unplugged oh, your thing.
1: Yeah. Some of you, yeah. I was really frustrated with. Uh, Outside circumstances that were preventing me from um, hitting my 21-day my fixed goal.
0: Leanne looks good. She's down to 125. She looks fucking hot. Oh, thanks. I'm at 128. LA Marathon. You're this
1: 128?
0: W- not 128. You're super skinny.
1: Uh,
0: LA Marathon this weekend. Yes, I've done no training. Uh, I But now, to put that in perspective, I do run. And now, everyone see. Here's the beauty of this is that everyone says, you don't run, Burt. That's what everyone says. You actually don't run. So then, yeah, no training. I don't run. I've done whatever I normally do to keep myself in shape. Uh, I think it's a lot. I think it's more than uh, anyone that criticizes me, including uh, fucking Segura and Ari, who think I am horribly out of shape. I do much more physical activity than they ever do. So I'm just going to put it. I'm going to put the pedal to the metal and do the marathon this weekend. Uh, L.A. Marathon. Uh, my goal is five hours. Okay. But if I don't do five hours, if I do 550, if I do under six hours and 45 minutes, I'm a winner. Because they said I couldn't beat Ari's dad who finished at f- six hours and 45 minutes.
2: Oh.
0: By the way... It, it's a brisk walk, and on the street, it actually is a lot harder than you think. Oh yeah. But uh, but I'm gonna jog it at like 11:23 is my pace. I showed Leanne what my pace looked like, and it looks doable. Yeah, it maybe looks a little okay. faster on downhill, slower on uphills. Yeah. It's a thinking man's race. I don't think I haven't read every website I need to know about the Los Angeles Marathon. It's a thinking, thinking man's, man's race. race. First half a mile uphill, then next three miles downhill, and then it's uphill downhill uphill downhill with the last four miles downhill coming into santa monica and ending at the santa monica pier nice yep St- running from the stadium to the sea so keep uh keep posted on my in my instagram i will be partying hard as fucking grand rapids friday night and then yeah because that's what i do
1: that's smart
0: it's what's a fucking micro beer, beer capital of the world
1: okay i'm gonna
0: definitely go to foundries totally founders
1: sounds good good plan do
0: you see what she's doing i hope you hear this i hope you hear this
1: (laughs) well if you're running a marathon two days later i think that might not be a big brain move that might be a little short strand dna
0: nope it's long long strand strand dna strand DNA, and it's my mickey mantle gene short strand Mm -mm. today's podcast i hope you like we're gonna do more like this in the future um i got a shitty comment from someone one time the recently online and he's like bro Uh, doesn't just have to be comics that you grew up with in the business talking about uh just comedy you can have other people on and uh and i was like what a fucking dickhead and then i was like part of me was like yeah i guess i can i could branch out i am interested in lots of shit i wouldn't mind have a pro golfer on i would love to talk to a pro golfer and this guy came very naturally to me uh halston as everyone knows is sits behind me when we do the podcast does the levels and does the recordings and edits them and posts them and uh he came to me in the end, other like uh, probably a month, two months ago, and he was like, "Hey, just so you know, um, I don't have to work at Domino's anymore. I am starting another podcast, and I'm 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 living in L.A. and I am I'm living the dream. I'm making money by being creative, and we were so fucking happy for him. And he was like, and we "We're like who?" And he's like, "This guy. He's like my mentor. I met him, and he's like a music producer and a rock star and." And he told us, and we were like, that's fucking awesome. And then I said to Halston, I was like, dude, you got him on the podcast. We'll promote his podcast, because he was starting a podcast. That's what Halston was doing for him. So Halston lined it up, and and it was a fucking fantastic podcast. And because of this, I'm going to do more like this. I hope you enjoy it. Um, His name's James Michael. He was moved out to LA, LA in the 80s. He's a musician. He made his bones by... Songwriting and making money off publishing for songwriting, and we talk about that. It's a really interesting part of the business. We we kind of correlate the differences between stand up comedy and being a musician and being a writer. And we talk about thievery and how there is thievery in both sides. We talk about confronting thievery and lawsuits, and 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 we talk about uh, then him transitioning into of becoming a rock star at like forty. He was doing, he'll tell his story, but just so you know, he wrote a really popular song uh, for saliva called Rest in Pieces, and that was kind of gave him his leapfrog. I'm just so you put perspective of who, who I'm having on today, and you can start listening and go, oh, okay, I don't, I can put the pieces together. Huh, a little interesting little fun But he wrote a song for Saliva, and then he started writing for a lot of people, like Meatloaf. And he tells his story. I'm not going to tell his story, but Motley Crue. And then through Motley Crue, working with Motley Crue on their last album they did, uh, he and Nikki Six decided to start a band called 6AM. I think he'll tell his story, but so he was in a band called 6AM with Nikki Six, And uh, they toured the world, and I think coming out on the other end of... of being a rock star he was left a little empty and that kind of is where we get to him today is starting his own podcast he's got his own podcast with halston halston's on his podcast with a with a girl i want to say it was michelle menudo who's the girl melissa harding, melissa harding. oh yeah tanya's sister yeah. um my agents are calling we're gonna make this quick hold on one second give me one second i'm, I'm wrapping up the in- intro to my podcast yeah no okay um and so that's where he is today he kind of got into therapy and his therapist is like you should journal and he's like fuck journaling i'm just gonna do you should do a journal and read it back to yourself and he was like i'm not doing that i'm starting a fucking podcast and that's where he ran into halston he was like let's start a podcast michelle menudo not michelle melissa harding and the three of them have a podcast and i've listened to it it's fucking phenomenal but that gives you perspective of who's on the podcast today um I hope you enjoy it. It is a phenomenal two and a half hour conversation that I would have never had if it wasn't for beautiful Halston. Thank you for making sure this got lined up, Halston. Absolutely. Thank you for having him on. No, he he's fucking phenomenal. You're gonna love it and you love him. Go check out his podcast. It's called Halston? Jamcast, the James Michael Podcast. Jamcast. And Halston does the intro music. So give it a listen and then. Hit up Halston and tell them what you think of it. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast uh, musician, songwriter, producer, rock star, podcaster, James Michael. It's not that bad, you know. But I'm, I'm from the school of podcasting, where it's like podcast should be, like like Leanne tries to keep hers here. Move that to wherever you need it. Leanne tries to keep hers to an hour. A lot of guys try to keep theirs to an hour. My buddy Steve Byrne has a podcast called The Gentleman's Dojo, a really great podcast, right. really great podcast. Keeps it to an hour. Sam Tripoli's got the Tinfoil Hat Podcast, keeps it to an hour. <coughs> I think they do that. I I like it to go as long as it needs to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I also, I've been, I've done like, I did a five hour podcast with Rogan one time, which was, uh, which, but I, I could have done a 10 hour one sure, with them yeah. that day. It was just, we were just in a great place. Uh, and so tomorrow we do, we're doing three ones with Steve Byrne, obviously, oddly enough, he did uh, directed a movie about a, a guy named amazing Jonathan. Do you ever know who that is? No. Really interesting guy. Um. Uh, And then and then anyway, two other ones: Dan Saint Germain and uh, and Kurt Metzger and Annie Letterman. So you kind
3: of pace yourself, don't you?
0: Like a little bit. Mine's different than yours. I'm I'm doing one. I'm doing one. Halston and I are doing one, an add-on where it's me talking, just me and Halston in the room. I'll be talking to Halston, but I'm kind of talking in thin air. Right. Um. Uh. I listened to the first one you did, which was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you you were talking about doing this because. Your therapist. I'm in therapy too, by the way, and I am blown away when people don't are afraid to talk about being in therapy. Like,
3: yeah, I am too, and I think that uh, what I'm finding is that uh, really the only people that are afraid of talking about therapy is people in our business. You know, people that are yeah. in the entertainment business that have already created this persona about themselves. What I'm finding is like like my fans are just, are coming out of the woodwork saying, thank you for for talking about this. My daughter, my granddaughter, my son, my husband uh, is dealing with, with uh, you know, issues. I, I suffer from pretty severe bi- bipolar disorder. Yeah. So I've been talking about that a lot. And it's amazing to me how common it is. And that's that's what I've been finding is that people are really craving... People like us being honest about those type of things. And I mean, you know, that's something that I've been loving about your podcast is you don't seem to really, you don't have any filters about your life in general. That's something that you've actually inspired me to, to be more open about shit like that.
0: Oh, I, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, I have, I share, I overshare. I think it's, it's, it probably compensates for a lack of creativity, but, uh, (laughs) (coughs) but I overshare. Um, but I've also, I've done something. That you you were talking about about being interviewed and being the or being the artist versus the real person, yeah. yeah. And that crossover. See, I, I've I've erased any separation between church and state. Yes, so it's one entity, which can be tricky. So, like the Burt that I am on this podcast is also the bird I am in the house with my family. Right, is the Burt that drops my kids off. Is the Burt that interacts with children that I don't know. And is the bird on stage? It's the same person. Well, let
3: me tell you. I, I mean. To me, that is what inspires me because I have spent the last 20 years in a business where pretty much every move that I make is designed and it's, and it's you know, it's finessed and, you know, I, you don't release anything. You don't release songs until they're exactly how you want them and you don't release photos of yourself until it's exactly how you want it and you don't say anything in the press until it in, unless it's completely on message <coughs> and after 20, and, and you know, I've been very successful. I've been very, very lucky but after 20 years of that, I just kind of got to the point where I'm I'm so envious of people like you that, like you said, you know, separation of church and state, you've just gotten rid of all of that. So you don't have this burden to carry around every day. After a while, it's a real burden to carry that type of stuff around.
0: Yeah, you were talking a little bit about, uh, about something. Have you ever read the book? Have you ever read this book, uh, The War of Art?
3: Uh, No. Okay, Uh -uh.
0: this is maybe one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life. Hmm. Let me see that. And there's there's uh, there's a section in there that spoke to me. I, I read it probably... Th- I've read this book a number of times, or different sections of the book at different times. Wow. But <coughs> there's a section in there uh, called The Definition of a Hack. And you said something in your podcast, which I went, oh, I bet he hasn't read this. I need to get him to get this book. I need book. to check that out. It's It really is. It'll really blow your mind. It's so... But there was a period where I was like I would I would watch comics do what Dane was doing. This was probably 14 years ago. Right. They would go up and do what Dane Cook was doing. They would embody what Dane did. They would right. they would brand they would be high energy. They would move their hands around a lot. They would repeat their sentences over and over or the word, right. the punchline over and over again. I walk down the street down. I'm walking, yeah. you know?
3: The same rhythm, the same Same MVP, rhythm. Right.
0: And there's a definition of a hack, and it says it's a person who's trying to predict what the marketplace will buy as opposed to doing what you did. And when I heard you say – you said something in there, and you're like, it can be – you can get super lost in the business because you're trying to make a product that you think people will like – as, yeah. as opposed to when you're younger, you're just doing what you do.
3: Well, yeah, it's it's not even a choice anymore. I mean, it is that is what the record companies are seeking. You know, as <coughs> soon as, as you have one artist come along, let's just say, for instance, Nirvana, they come along and they change everything. They are completely out, out of the box. They don't care about any of the rules. Yeah. And they just create a whole new sound. And then what happens is that the record companies go and try to find the next 50 of those. And that's the only type of artist that they sign. Imagine if that was in in your business if that if if the only comedians that were able to to succeed are ones that like you just explained had the same tempo the same the same pattern the same vibe that's what's happened to the music industry over the last 25 years really i mean since i've been in it we have been in a chase to, you know, you have you have a very very small group of artists that are trying to create something new, and then the masses, most of the artists, and most of the record companies, and most of the managers are looking to play off of a success that's already happened. So they're looking for people that have that same tempo, that have that same sound. Yeah, and that's frustrating. That's frustrating as an artist creator because you know, and I'm I'm guilty of that as well. Uh, it happens in your songwriting. You're constantly having to you know, to look at what's on the charts and, and figure out what's working about that, and then you try to create art that in some way hints at that, you know, maybe put your own original twist on it, but you just find yourself chasing that all the time. And I think that I reached a point in my career, I'm 50 now, and, and I've had a really, really lucky, very, very successful career, but I reached a point where I just can't do that chase anymore if, because it, it, you feel like a fraud, You know,
0: you see that. You see that. I see that at the store. I see people, uh, doing what they see is working. Right. It's just, it's almost like a shortcut sometimes. It's like people going, No, yeah, I could, I could do something similar to what that guy's doing. Like Bill Burr's are, are, are kind of, I I would say Bill is Bill Burr. Do you know, are you familiar with Bill Burr? I love Bill Burr. He's probably the guy doing it the most original, Hmm. he's just being himself. And I think that is what inspires me when you watch him or Chappelle who are J- or rogan or, or a lot there are a lot of guys Joey Diaz does it very much by his, his own standard and so I think that inspires me so I started going oh I just want to like I don't obviously I got famous for one story about getting involved with the Russian mafia and that was my calling card but I'm not going to sit there and try to rewrite other outrageous like I did like you I, go
3: through a phase right after you right after that broke that you kind of thought maybe I should or did you ever consider uh coming up with I a just, few more machine type of stories I
0: have one I had one uh which I had told on Rogan's podcast around the same time I told the machine about uh being at a live sex show in Amsterdam called Flying Dildos, <laughs> and so I told that story and uh and I and I definitely with a brand I was like I was like yeah I got a couple of those But then I just It's like you write what you know Like yeah. the only thing I know really Is like what's going on in my life right now Right And so like I just end up writing I'm not I'm not as I'm not a great comedian In the sense that like I can't sit like Anthony Jeselnik And see a topic And then go Oh here's the joke for that Like I don't I don't right. think like that Like right. Craig Mack died today And I just got sad Yeah I was yeah. like that sucks man Yeah And then someone's got Craig Mack jokes and I'm like, sure. well, I was like, oh, I didn't see it that way. Like, right. I, just, I just was like, oh fuck, he's 46, man. I'm 45. How did he die? Dude, like
3: <laughs> that shit freaks me out all the time now. You know, I mean, we're we're both pretty young looking for our age. I yeah. think I think pretty we're both young, young. Young by the way. We so. are young. You're right. But dude, it's it's happening so often now. Where like I literally, you know, you'll hear of who just who just died. Or some some like 40 year old female movie star or something. It freaks me out now. I like, I do you do this where you're like every little ache in your body now means something and you're Googling that shit all the time?
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. I'm certain I have blood clots. My dad, my dad the other day was like, I got blood clots. I know I got blood clots. And I was like, wait, that means I have blood clots. Right. And he was like, oh, we all got blood clots. That's yeah. what they get you on. Oh, uh, what's his name? Had an aneurysm.
3: And I was like, what? He's like, oh, I didn't tell you about that. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go, go by an aneurysm. I'm dude, pretty I, sure that's what's going to take me out.
0: So, wait, so, so where did you grow up
3: I grew up in a, a little town called Holland Michigan oh I knew that uh, so yeah I was from the Midwest but um, as a kid my dad uh, was a uh, an artist he was an art professor but he was also a visual artist a uh, great painter and, and actually uh, pretty <laughs> successful at it um, he uh, would teach over in in Europe for a year and then back in the states for a year. so as a kid I was spent a lot of time over in England living over there so it was a pretty cool way to grow up um, really But yeah, my, my family was, uh, was very artistic. My mom was an author and, uh, and my dad was a painter and that's the kind of, Holy crap. Yeah. It was cool. Uh, I was wondering. Only child? No, I have an older brother. Yeah. How old? Uh, he's, uh, three years older than me. He's a pilot. He he... flies for NetJets.
0: Oh, I know NetJets. Yeah. It's awesome. Is he, is he, did he introduce you to music?
3: He did actually. He, um, he was into music. He always wanted to be a guitar player and, uh, I remember the day he brought home the first uh, Meatloaf album, "Bat Out of Hell," uh, and I was just so it was, you know, Meatloaf, and yeah, um, of course, and uh, he he brought home the the picture disc, you know, the, the vinyl disc with the actual picture on it, and um, that was really cool. That was my first introduction to music, and ironically, I ended up uh, writing and producing for Meatloaf down the road. Uh, I have a great story about uh, meeting him actually. I I had done a uh, a show here in Los Angeles. I was I was pretty young. And Meatloaf came to the show. Um, and uh, I had heard that he was in the audience, and I thought, wow, that's cool. That was kind of my biggest celebrity moment so far. I was just trying to break into the business, and, uh, and the next day, I get a, a phone call. Uh, and it says, hey, James, this is uh, Meatloaf. And I was like, yeah, hi, hi. And he's like, you know, I was at your show last night, and I, um, I, I made some notes do you oh, mind shit. Do you mind if I give you some notes and I'm like you gotta be kidding me but yeah so we spent an hour on the phone and he was giving me all this advice on things that were right about my performance things that weren't right about my performance long story short we kind of became friends and he became a real champion of mine and so one uh he actually, he, he called me up. We'd, we'd gotten to know each other, maybe six months into this, this friendship. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to make another record. I'm not working with Jim Steinman anymore, which was the guy that wrote all of his big hit songs. He says, yeah. I really like your songwriting. Would you want to come out to the house and talk to me about, you know, about writing some of my new record? And of course, so I say yes. And I, I you know i i plan to go out there and the the weekend it was uh, the weekend that i went out there i'm driving up into Air and i'm just i'm just a poor kid i literally have what nothing year is this? Going. oh god this has got to be this has got to be 98 something so like what, that. what year
0: did you come out to la i
3: think I, I i came out here in like 87 holy shit dude i've been out here a long time i've been out i've been out in california longer than i've i've was ever in michigan um Yeah, I've been here a long time. I mean, this is home. This feels like home to me. Yeah so I get out to his you know my imagination's going wild because I'm thinking bad out of hell I'm thinking I'm gonna show up and it's gonna be this gothic castle and the
0: candelabras yeah and, a and I'm, big gonna, black I'm gonna I'm gonna ring the
3: doorbell it's gonna be a gong and then there's gonna be like a three-headed dog that answers the door and, he'll be
0: coming down a spiral staircase <laughs> in with a, a cape, scarf right.
3: <laughs> in a cape <laughs> yeah. so I get there and it's a very conventional kind of colonial style house and so my you know and first off I gotta preface this by saying I love the guy he's he's been awesome to me he's an awesome guy but my, my dreams were kind of shattered when I first got there because it was you know a white picket fence and just nothing rock and roll about it nothing. i ring the doorbell and it's just like this ding dong the the, the, the most wimpy feminine not the dong. no nothing like that no gongs yeah. nothing and then a couple of yippy dogs answer the door and then he shows up in his pajamas and i'm thinking this is just not at all what yeah. I was oh expecting.
0: fuck meatloaf don't you know the branding
3: <laughs> exactly come <laughs> on uh but uh so anyway we, we had a lovely time and uh one of the coolest things was he uh, at some point he walked me down this hallway in his house and at the end of this long hallway was the original artwork to Bat Out of Hell and I just kind of stood there in front of him and I just thought man if my brother could be here right now because he was the one that had brought home that picture disc but uh, yeah. you know it turned into a great a great friendship a great working relationship I wrote I wrote several songs for him over the years and, uh, and he's been a champion of mine to this day
0: it's one of the things about mu- the music business I think I think everyone I know for a fact that like when I went to my 20th reunion, maybe, people were like, uh, so do you support yourself from stand-up? And I was like, yeah. I've been supporting myself from stand-up for like 15, 20 years. Or right. at the time, probably 15 years. And they're like, really? And you're like, yeah. Like all my friends, we all make a living, but we're not like millionaires. And then even when you are a millionaire, you still people still don't know you're a millionaire. Right. And, then, and then like, they only know the people that are making... 16 million dollars right, right yeah and then they assume and it's one of the things that about the music industry is like we have our friends one of our friends wrote uh uh what was a I i wish i knew the exact song he wrote it was a Shakira khan song oh yeah uh, he wrote for Shakira khan and he wrote for the pointer sisters in the 80s and he made a bunch of money off that right and then kind of and then he still writes, he tours with, uh, with whose house? Who's Hugh Laurie has yeah, a band. He tours yeah. with Hugh Laurie All right. around the world. And it's a really neat living. It's a great life. Two kids also teaches guitar lessons cause he loves guitar. Right. Um, but it's like, I remember hearing that and they were like, and like they have like an Escalade. They have like nice cars and they right. have a beautiful house. They're redoing their house. I'm like, so you, when you see someone redoing your house, you're like, oh, you must have money.
2: Right. Like you're right.
0: redoing your house. And they're like, oh, yeah, he makes a great living. But it's one of the things about the entertain, about the music business that I think always fascinated me is how many people there are that can make money and really be behind the oh, scenes. Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. In, in fact, the behind the scenes people make way more typically than the people uh, in, in, in front of the scenes. I mean, as an example, I, you know, I, uh, started a band late in my career, uh, called 6am and we actually got very successful over the last decade. Um, but the money that I made doing that, which was fantastic, I can't complain, was nothing compared to the money that I made as a songwriter writing for artists like Kelly Clarkson. And and,
0: Kelly Clarkson, is that like secret time performer of mine that I fucking love she's insane she's She's a lovely woman
3: she's so awesome she represents so many things that I love about the music about you know the good side of the music business she's a real person she uh is unfiltered uh just good and one of the most amazing singers out there she
0: legit is there's I was I was in my car one time and since you've been since you've been gone came on yeah that song fucking rocked. Like I, I, I hear that
3: and I just can't.
0: I can't live, breathe yeah. for the first time. Me and time. me and
3: all of my professional songwriting partners have tried to rewrite that song a million times. You know, back to the conversation yeah. about trying to chase what's already been successful. We've all tried to write that song a million times, and it's just that's just a brilliant song.
0: There are some artists. We're well, right now. We're looking at. Um, I, I was talking. We're looking for music intro music for my special. And I was talking to my buddy who's a movie producer, and I was like, I think I kind of want, like, Rage Against the Machines got a really good song that would be good, like, an older It's from the first album. Yeah. So, because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking Penny, what is it? Penny, Penny Fooly, whatever. Like, I'm trying to save right. money. So, I'm yeah, like, sure. first album. Uh, the first album would be the cheaper album. Right. He's like, yeah, it'll be like, probably 200000 I was like, what? He was like, well, you know, you got a, the publishing rights and then the performance rights. Yeah. And I was like, huh?
3: Well, you know what people do then is they just hire some. They hire a songwriter to come up with a sound alike. Yep. Pretty gross part of the business, but it's a real part of the business and a lot of money's made there doing that.
0: Shout out to Dan Adler. I know that you're doing that on Man Vs. Food. Yeah. I know that you're doing that because every time you go to your music, and by Dan Adler is one of my buddies. He's got a he, he created a... he created a couple of my shows, but he created Man Vs. Food. Right. And sometimes I hear... Uh, the music and I go, oh, I know this song, and then it changes melody, and I yeah. went, oh, you motherfucker! Yeah, it's because all the rest of America doesn't know that's not the song that the song they think it right, is. Right, right. They go, oh, that's going to be the song, and they, their, your emotions connect to it. Oh
3: yeah, absolutely.
0: And then you just, it's just like, huh, oh, oh, that's right.
3: And it happens, it happens time and time again. I uh, had a a TV show. I can't remember what network it was, but they approached me and asked me to write a theme song for their for their series that they had. It was like the second season of this series. So I wrote this great theme song, performed it. They loved it. It got cut into the first episode um, and it was kind of on the fast track. So we they had actually cut it into the to the show before we had done the negotiations and figured out the business side of it. Yeah, well. Then they figured, now that it's in the show, we'll just strong arm arm him. And they tried to get it for just pennies. I mean, like, just really low ball. And I just said, I can't do that, man. You know, I got a business I'm running here. I can't do it. So what did they do? They went to another sound alike... Uh, they went to a, a writer to do a sound alike of mine and uh, and so the first two episodes of that se- of the show have my actual song on it, and then the next one is just like the whole rest of the season has this sound alike song which is so obviously i actually I, I, I went to a uh, what they call them, a musicologist uh, because I was going to sue them for uh, for you know copyright infringement yeah it turns out it just wouldn 't have been worth the money to sue them, but it was clearly a copyright infringement that happens all the time.
0: It's and it's so interesting that it's an, an acceptable part of the business. Whereas, if you did that in stand up or in, I mean, they do it in television, something pops and they're like, oh, we need something just like that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, like there's so many spin offs of like, of like, uh, of I, one of my favorite shows is, uh, I don't even know what the name of it now is, but it's like Living Off the Grid, uh, right. above the 100 degrees, uh, just under the North Pole, yeah. Northern Alaska. Like there's like nine shows like it. Right. I can watch them interchangeably. I don't even know the difference. Yeah. And and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's fine.
3: I think people are starting to push back on that. I think, and, and that actually brings up a question I wanted to ask you. In a podcast you did just recently, you were talking about, you know, theft of jokes. Yeah. And you mentioned that there, there's a couple of times where you've had that happen and you chose not to confront the person about it and i thought to myself that's like the first out of character thing i've heard i don't know you but no. i've what i've binge watched all of your podcasts by oh, the way so i feel you. like i know a lot about you but why would you not choose to confront that person when you have no filter about anything else what was it that made you just think this is this a dangerous move what?
0: It, there's no benefit
3: yeah i guess there's i no guess benefit. you're not going to get that joke back
0: you're not and and it's it's uh and then what happens is uh so i did it one time i did it one time
3: you confronted a person
0: i confronted i I confronted him uh privately uh went to his house and i confronted him privately right and it just dissolved it was there was no it was like almost like they it was like a like a, a sleight of hand like no, it's going to be you I don't know what you're talking about. But it's fine. Everything's, fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Right. And I was like, yeah, but th- th- it kind of, you know, fucked me up a little bit. And I don't think maybe I wasn't clear enough. Maybe they, that person didn't hear me clear enough. Maybe I, I, I thought I was pretty vocal. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know. And then I went on, um, my butt Joe's podcast and I talked about it there. Right. And then that, that was pretty clear. I think yeah. everyone, everyone was like, okay, that, that, that's, this is really clear. Yeah. And, uh. Number 1, I think you aff- I think it's there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. I mean, I'm sure, I, I'm not I'm, I I can't I, I can't correlate this to rape because uh, I think that's too petty for me to to say it's like, but I will say that I do understand I do understand women when they said women have nothing to gain by coming out and saying they've been sexually assaulted, I do understand that. i go, yeah, I'd go yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If I was sexually assaulted, I probably wouldn't tell a fucking soul. I was right. like, I don't want to deal with the fucking hassle. I don't want to go to the cop station. I don't want to have to have a rape kit done to me. Right. I don't want to have to point out my c- accuser. I don't want to have people call me a liar. I don't want to have people... You don't have to in- relive that. I don't want to relive it over and over and over again. Right. And so, so for me, the second time I got stolen from... It was uh, arguably even a bigger person, hmm. and um, and it was and it and it could have gotten really nasty. And I, I talked to Ari and I talked to Tom. And by the way, the first time I got stolen from, uh, I talked to my manager. My manager said, "Do not do anything about it. Don't even bring it up. Don't mention it. Shut your mouth and just keep working." And I went, "Oh, you're out of your mind. I'm gonna com- I'm gonna talk to the." It was the second time. Both Tom and Ari was like, "I wouldn't say a fucking word." I was like, really, and they're like, "Do not say a word because it it just makes you look like you you don't like the way the games played, or you got sour grapes, or or you're not happy that you're yeah, not I can that see successful." That. I
3: can see that. It's 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 very different in my business because uh, you know there have been many copyright lawsuits that have been won successfully, even though copyright uh, infringement is a very difficult thing to prove. But there's also Potential financial benefit to that if somebody has stolen your song and it's become a big hit. Oh, there's
0: no benefit for see, us. See, that's the thing. There's you, no financial benefit. There's
3: never been a lawsuit, probably, in in the comedy world. About no, there,
0: there couldn't be. I don't know if anyone. I and it's and it, then it turns into he said she said or right. he said he said or or he said she said. But
3: although now the chances are there is documentation of it on YouTube or whatever. Wherever oh, it I may went. Be. I
0: went and uh, screen grabbed everything. Sure. I went and pulled everything and. Just in case. Because I I actually told one person about it who didn't believe me and said it called me a liar. Right. And we were in a hotel room and we were drunk. Right. And I brought it up and uh, they said, that's impossible. And I said, no, it's really totally possible. I said, it's right on my phone. Here's a. And I showed them the proof I had and they still didn't believe me. Jeez. And I was like, no, no, no. That's that person actually admitting they did it. Wow. And they still didn't believe me. Wow. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, it's it's really hard. I got to a place with comedy where I just said, I want to write jokes no one else can write. Meaning, I want to write longer form stories. I want to write, uh, like the only, like I want to write jokes where the, the joke is so authentically me. Right. That if someone else would do it, was doing it everyone would see it yeah yeah so I, like and, and like i have a joke on my new special about alexa well I, that joke if it gets stolen that's my fault because right. it's not that i mean it's an original joke i wrote it right. but you know look mark Sorry.
3: i'm not sure shut the fuck up alexa dude i actually i have a, let me get my phone yesterday i'm watching your podcast the one with uh with uh zane
0: yeah zane Lambert, which yeah. i think
3: you just did recently right yeah, yeah yeah, and i'd gotten up to take a piss and i, I had
0: alexa time. stop <laughs>
3: And I got enough to take a piss. And it was right at this time when you were talking about altitude from, you know, sea level altitude. So I come back from the, from the bathroom and my phone's lit up. I'm like, what's going on? I'm the, I'm, I'm here by myself. And I, I, I screen grabbed this because I wanted to, to show you this. This is what, this is what my, this is what my screen said. My phone said.
0: Oh, my God.
3: And so I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I, I like, rewind, and then you guys were talking about altitude, and at some point you had asked, you said, hey, Siri, what is the altitude in Phoenix? And so my phone thinks, I asked it, what the altitude of my penis is, which was 669 feet. And I thought to myself, I ask Siri shit all the time. Yeah, there she goes. It's now now my penis is at 630 feet. Uh, but I ask Siri shit all the time, and she's like, "I'm sorry, I don't oh. know the answer." But she had no problem figuring out what the altitude of my of my penis was.
0: Dude, I I I got into a fight with um with that cylinder bitch right there yeah, yeah. and the bitch on my phone. Right, I'm not gonna say their names, then they'll light up. Exactly.
3: And I, so I like that one by the way. The cylinder bitch. Yeah, I like yeah. The she, I,
0: bitch. D- she's invaluable. Uh, and so I got into a fight with them. And I, well, I didn't. It starts because I'm drunk, and I'm, and I'm, I talk about this on my special. But I'm calling the cylinder bitch by the phone bitch's name. So I'm going, so I'm saying, "Hey s word, right? Hey s word." And the cylinder's not answering, but my phone answers. <coughs> and then I realize my mistake, and I, and I say the cylinder bitch's name, and the s phone bitch chums in and goes, "You're calling me by the wrong name, buttface." And I go, and I say that on stage, I say that on stage and I go, I go, I swear to God, if you call her by the wrong name, she calls you butt face. And this woman comes up to me, she goes, no, she doesn't. She goes, just so you know, your kids went in your phone and changed your, your name, name to Buttface butt for her to call you Buttface. <laughs> and I was like, you sons of bitches. Awesome. So here I am, like, going, I'm like, swear to God, if you call her by the wrong name, she calls you Buttface. And they're like, no, your kids are assholes.
3: This, this technology is a little bit scary. I'm very protective. You're probably very open about this shit. I'm yeah. very protective about my phone and, and, and shit that's on there. And I don't want any, I always put it face down. But with this new technology, <laughs> People can get into your shit. Like I could, you know, I could just say, "Hey Siri, what's on my schedule for tomorrow," and and your phone is going to tell me what's on your schedule tomorrow, just like mine is, without having to have any thumb or face. I had.
0: I there was a girl that worked for me for one episode. I'm not saying that I got rid of her because of this, but I definitely will say that this scared the living shit out of me. And then we didn't work again together for whatever reason. (laughs) She, we were all sitting at lunch, and uh, I said. I said, are you uh, in a relationship? She goes, I just got out of a relationship. I said, really? And she goes, yeah, my uh, my boyfriend was cheating. And we're like, whoa. And we're like, "How did, did, you, did you catch him? And she was like, oh, yeah, I caught him. And we're like, really? And she's like, yeah, one night he fell asleep. And I grabbed his phone, and I put his thumb on his phone so it unlocked it. And I went through his messages. Holy and I shit. caught him cheating. And I pulled it up. And I went, oh. That's some spy shit right there. Out so of here. I was like I was like, oh my God. That I respect that brain. Yeah, pretty awesome. But not working with me. No. <laughs> that's, that's someone who definitely records you losing your shit in the van about whatever skydive you have to do. And she's like, yeah. see, he said bitch. He's a misogynist. And I was yeah. like, mm. But Jeez. yeah, that one that's that's how much has the bit the the music industry changed from when like I read I read uh I read Guns N' Roses' book about them being street kids. Right. and And they'd say, I think they were the ones that were like, yeah, we'll sign with Sony if he runs down sunset naked. Right. And they were like, great. And then some exec runs down naked, and they're like, we we'll sign with Sony. <laughs> now you could not do that. No. In a million fucking years.
3: No, Did you see the change coming? Oh, yeah. I'm, like, I moved out here in the late 80s, so I, you know. So what were the big bands
0: in the scene in the late 80s?
3: Warrant. Oh, I was I was at their signing party. Uh, For real? Yeah, it's like it was those type of bands where it was it was kind of the the last few year, years of the hair metal before Nirvana came along and squashed everything. Uh, oh. But man, it was such a healthy time in the music business. It was literally everything that you see in the in the movies, you know. Sunset Strip was just jam-packed with all these long-haired dudes handing out flyers every night and it was just alive, man. Every club was just banging all the time and it was a very very different time the music industry has changed so much since then
0: i think if i could go in a time machine to any time in music it would be that that era just that i mean there's there's i think you know obviously uh that laurel canyon in the 60s would be beautiful uh i I mean okay let's go let's go through five you got you got five time time machine trips you get to take right okay And and you're just going to see, not just a concert, but you're going to that era of like I want to be I want to be in Seattle in 1991. That's yeah, one of the yeah. places. Yeah, absolutely. I want to be on the Sunset Strip in what was it? I guess 85, right. 87. Right. I would definitely love to be in uh, Germany. In like the 1300s or whenever Amadeus was. Oh, geez, yeah. Like that I would be think of that. Yeah, just badass.
3: I think I'd want to do. I'd want to do Frank Sinatra and oh, know, Sammy Davis. I mean, fuck yeah. I just want to be a drinking buddy of those of the of that whole. Gang. How
0: great would that? Oh, just one of those shows in the 60s in Vegas where you dress up nice you don't know smoking causes cancer right. you you're you're you can drink and drive you can, no one's going to talk down to you like you you put your chick on your arm and you go oh honey this is nice
3: i see i don't think that we're ever going to have any era like that again no. it's it's just we're all just so fragmented now doesn't it feel like that i mean back then it just of course you know social media changed everything but yeah, those were the days. That just seems like when when, when men were men and, and it just was, it was. Uh, oh,
0: that'll never be the way. That, yeah, that'll never. I would like to see, I would like to see, I, I'm on the fence if I would like to be around for like the 30s of country music yeah. or the
3: 50s. Yeah, yeah.
0: It would be cool. I think to,
3: the 50s would have been cool across the board. 50s you know? would have been cool across the
0: board, yeah. You know what though? I, I, I remember hearing about um, Glenn Miller. And they were like, Glenn Miller was the I don't I don't I don't know if I was drunk and I heard this somewhere or I don't know if I just thought of it, but Glenn Miller was like Eminem in 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 the '30s, I guess. Yeah. And he went to World War II and was like, "Guys, I'm fighting for our troops." And I just remember hearing that, going, "Oh, that will never happen again. You'll never get Eminem would never join the military, right? And right. then go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go fight. And and at night, I'll put on shows." Right, and that's right. what I'll do. And by the way, I don't need the millions. I'm doing this because this is my country, my duty. Well, and then sadly, Miller, we would forget about him. You know, oh
3: he'd, yeah, he just off off the charts for a couple of years. And he's he not on Instagram. I don't even know what the fuck right. he's doing. Yeah, right.
0: That's so. And then Glenn Miller died over the bearing, not the Bering Straits, but uh, the English Channel. Right, his plane went down. That uh, what Halston? What's the um, Glenn Miller song? What's the Glenn Miller song? It's in the heat of the in the thick of the night. In the mood. In the mood. In the mood. In the mood. Yeah. That song, I I was high as shit one day. I shouldn't have been driving, but I was, and I'm driving through Larchmont, and this is around that time. And I put on into the mood, yeah. and then, and yeah. it it just, oh, I got so into that fucking song.
3: I I have a fantasy that that when I finally do retire from music. I'm probably only going to listen to stuff from that era and back, you know, it just, yeah. I just, cause that can, sh- that, that music can still shape your day. It can shape everything about your world. And nowadays it's just everything's so disposable, you know, it's, it's hard to it really find. really is.
0: I mean, and everything's so disposable and so like you say, like everyone glomps onto, like I'm into hip hop and right now there's this whole genre of the Lills, like the little pump, little yeah. dump, little, yeah. little six, nine, little something. <laughs> Lil Zan, right. Lil Yachty, Lil Yachty and, and and well Lil Wayne's uh, but but and their big thing is uh, I guess Lil Zan shit on Tupac now mm-hmm. they're all shitting on Tupac because it because he did it, it got him press right. and his fans don't give a shit about Tupac right and so now everyone's doing it yeah and you're just like there's no originality there's no
3: yeah you have you have to really buy into that stuff i mean if if you're on the periphery of that it's just it kind of just you just gloss over it and uh, i i think that that that's really the case no matter what genre of music you're talking about now you kind of have to invest yourself into it and buy into those stories otherwise you know it's just all noise
0: so how did you get from come out from michigan on the sunset strip seeing great shows to then oh now i'm in the industry
3: It was a long fucking journey. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I had visions as I was driving across the country to move out here that, you know, "Ah, I'll give it a few years and then I'll, you know, become a rock star. That was that's what I thought was going to happen. honestly, I didn't have my first hit as a artist until I was 40 years old. That's a long fucking time to be out here slugging it out in Los Angeles now, I had built some successful things in my career. I became a pretty successful songwriter uh in my thirties um but that was the journey for me. I came out here I joined a bunch of shitty bands and and kind of struggled in the in the you know the the club scene for a while trying to get something happening
0: and so wait show me how that like tell me how that like i like how how does that even work like like you're going like are you meeting people at work? Are you? Yeah. Do you have a job, day job? Uh, yeah, I worked at I clubs? worked at
3: Red Lobster out here in Tarzana, and uh, you know everyone there was either a waiter. I mean, it was either a, a, a actor, or actor musician. musician, dancer, whatever it may be. So it was fun and it was exciting, and you know it was kind of like a you know an episode of Friends. Everyone had their shit going on, but but we were all trying to figure out what life was, and you know joining different bands. And uh, I gave up several times. I, in fact, I gave up music. Uh, got married, moved up to San Francisco, and I was I was painting buildings for a living. And it was actually my now ex-wife who convinced me to uh, to maybe start playing the piano again. And I uh, I went around to some wine bars in San Francisco. I got a gig, and uh, slowly kind of started getting that bug again. And um, and uh, at some point, I started writing songs again, and. Uh, a buddy, I'd played a song that I'd written for a buddy of mine. And he said, you know, you should join this Northern, Northern California songwriters association, play this song for some people and, and see if you can get some interest. And long story short, I went to this thing. I, I played a song, it got selected. I signed a publishing deal and then I kind of got into the system. I wasn't successful, but I was in the system. Now I was dealing with that next level up of managers, publishers. I was, I actually had a, a uh, you know, an, an into to some record companies. And it was just a slow build, man. I, you know, I, I don't know if I could, I, it's, it's probably very much like what your, uh, your rise was, you know, you're, you're slogging it out, you're working the door. And, and, and I, I think that I, I worked the door in my business for many, many years until I just, you know, had one lucky break after another. And, and one of those actually was, was pivotal. And, um, it was, uh, it was a song that I wrote, uh, for a band called saliva. I that, uh, it became. A, I, I wrote this song called "Rest in Pieces," and it uh, it became a big hit. And I went from being broke ass to having a shit ton of money like that, and everything changed. And so,
0: so, so, so before, so in bands, and then you're like, and then you get married, and you're like, let's move to let's let's fucking chill yeah, out.
3: let's do the responsible. Let's thing. do the
0: responsible thing. Now, did anyone in the bands that you were ever in did any of them blow up? Did you ever have a guy that you played with that you're like, "Oh wow, he's he's
3: not really But I did have A lot of bands That I played You know That I did shows with Blow Up uh, I, You know When I was up In San Francisco is I had a, a rock band Called The Last Americans That got absolutely Nothing happening for them We were booking Our own gigs and stuff But we would do shows With bands like Third Eye Blind Yeah And Train And uh, you know A few other bands That just exploded Which even makes it worse You know Because you're just like What am I doing wrong here Why are these guys Just exploding It, it almost seemed like If you want to have A success career you know come play with my band and and off you go and and i'll just kind of stay stagnant it was like that for a long time uh so i watched a lot of bands blow up
0: and so then you write the one song the publishing you you join that thing publishing it gets sold someone buys it you have some money and then you're like oh i can write songs
3: well it was it was such a long journey getting to that 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 once that happened um you know i i told this story on my podcast a a couple of weeks ago but like i said i was so fucking broke i had no money and i was divorced or going through a divorce and i was just down and 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 you know uh, but thank
0: god going through the divorce broke as uh, opposed to getting the money and then going through the divorce (laughs) oh i know
3: i know I know. trust me i i I thought a lot about that that was somebody looking out for me um but uh i yeah so I, i i got my first enormous check in the mail and you know, I don't know if you've but, ever been that broken. But like, but
0: wait, 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 I, I, wait. T- get me to the enormous check. Okay. So you write a few songs. Yeah. And they and then they get picked up, and you're like, okay, this is picking up steam. Yeah. Then you write the song for Saliva. Yeah. And now, do you have any idea what the money coming in's gonna be, or do you like?
3: I I don't. Uh, I I. But you know I, I hoped that it would be good But it was way better This was back in the time In the music business business When we were all overpaid For what we did I mean there's just no question You yeah. know I have made A million dollars Off of a song That took me two hours to write You know So that's So that was I But that That doesn't insane. happen That much anymore I mean it still happens In the pop world Quite a bit But yeah I mean I was I was down and out I was You know I'd had enough Little things happen That made me think Hmm If I stick with this If I believe in this And I keep on plugging away One of these could break But you don't know When it's gonna be But yeah As soon as that song Rest in pieces uh, Broke the top ten That's when I started shopping For a publishing deal That's when I thought Okay now I've got something To go back to these guys with And say Let's let's talk real business here um, So what's,
0: what's a publishing deal? A
3: publishing like- deal Every time your song is played If you write a song mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say for instance, you write a song for Kelly Clarkson, every song, every time that song is played on the radio, it generates money.
0: Um, and, for, from, from advertisers, from people uh, who advertise on the radio, the radio station pays for
3: it. Well, obviously through, through ad sales, that's how radio stations, you know, make their money. Yeah. Uh, but they have to, what, what brings people to a radio station is the music. Yeah. What the radio station cares about is the ad sales. So they've got to pay then for the, to use that music. The, the, the music is really a, 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 a lost leader to get people to listen to advertisements. Uh, so, so when your song is played on the radio... Every time it's played, the radio station has to log it, and then it goes to the performance uh, like BMI or ASCAP.
0: I remember, I, knew, I, yeah. I knew a girl, Patty, who worked for ASCAP. Yeah, so every email. year
3: radio Patty stations pay a lot of money to ASCAP and, and BMI and a couple of other organizations. That money is then distributed to the writers of that song. One thing that a lot of people don't understand is that if Kelly Clarkson cuts a song of mine, and it gets played on the radio, she's not making any money off of that song being played on the radio. I'm the one making the money off of that song being played on the radio. She's making money off of record sales once, once radio play translates to record sales. Yeah. She will make plenty of money off of record sales. Do you make money on record
0: sales too? Yes. So you make money on record sales and when it's there played on the radio. There are two different
3: types of publishing. There's mechanical royalties, which is record sales. Uh, so every time the record, every time a record sells, I don't know the exact numbers right now, but it's something like nine cents per song yeah so if you sell a million records and you have 10 songs on the record do the math it can be it can be very lucrative yeah um and then also performance royalties right now which there's are,
0: 100 people going do the
3: math for me real quick yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah i it would take me a half hour i literally would be here going <laughs> yeah
0: nine million hundred thousand i'm terrible
3: at that yeah so anyway so <laughs> yeah, so uh, back to, to that song that I had done for Saliva. That was the first song that broke top ten, and I knew that it was going to generate a lot of money. So I went to the publishing company, and they uh, what publishing companies do is they, are, they will go around the world and collect the money that has been earned off of that song. Because as, as just a songwriter, you don't, have a, you don't have the mechanism in place to go collect from all of these different countries.
0: Okay, so the song pops. And you know it's popping. You're like, I'm hearing this a lot. Yeah. And then you're like, someone's getting paid on this, but I'm not getting paid yet.
3: I knew, I knew that I was going to be getting paid on it, but I had to do a deal with a publishing company so that they could go out and gather that money for me. Otherwise, it's just sitting out there in all of these pots around
0: the world. Okay, I apologize if I sound like an absolute moron. So, so you have a record label. Yes. You have a publishing company. Yes. What other like? So I have a manager. I have an agent. I have a business manager, and I have a lawyer. Right. Technically, they all work. Together, yeah. Uh, like we have a team meeting here tomorrow. The whole team is coming. Everyone's coming, right? My road manager, my, my tour manager, does mostly my tour, but in my agent, I have all those different things. So when you're an artist, as a musician or a songwriter, do you you have you have a publishing company?
3: Yeah. Well, it depends on on like if you're an artist. And you're just an artist, you're not really a songwriter, you're just an artist, then yeah, you would have a record label, obviously, because you'd need to release records. You would have uh, an agent, Mm -hmm. a booking agent, whatever that may be, a, a manager, a lawyer, that type of stuff. But if you're a songwriter... You would then add to that, you would also add a publisher because you need somebody collecting your royalties, your mechanical wow. royalties and your performance royalties.
0: And you can get, can you get better publishing deals the bigger you are?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of publishing deals out there that would maybe, you know, if 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 you don't have hits already on the radio and you're just a good songwriter and you are lucky enough to get a publishing deal, it's probably going to be a small publishing deal. They may give you 15, 20 grand and say Everything that you write from here on out is ours. We own the copyright to it. Um, and then, you know, if, if you have some success, we'll renegotiate. When you have uh, a lot of hit songs on the radio, it's a very different publishing deal. It could be a, a million dollars. We'll give you a million dollars. And uh, oh, So
0: for the most part, the publishing deal, the publishing company just cuts you a check and says, we'll collect all the money. Here's your money. Yes. And then if you have a few hits do you ever get into a place where it's like you get back end points of what they collect or is that the, the idea that
3: yes uh, I, I, I should actually clarify a, a publishing deal would mean that the you hand over the 100% of the copyright 100% of that song to the publisher they they give you money up front and then they just own that copyright that's not that common what's typically done is a co-publishing deal which would mean I still retain ownership of half of the copyright they own the other half um, so it, 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 when it boils down to it as a co-publisher, I mean, it can get very confusing. Yeah. Let's put it this way. A song, the money earned off of a song gets broken down like this. Let's just say a song makes a dollar. Okay. A hundred percent of that is considered publishing, but half of that publishing is considered songwriter share. And the other half is considered publishing share so for instance 50 50 cents on the dollar would be publisher share 50 cents on the dollar would be songwriter share the songwriter share is a songwriter's birthright it is yours no matter what yeah unless you're dumb enough to sign that away
0: uh the publishing share vanilla ice did the suge knight
3: Yeah, that type of thing it happens it's sad when it happens the publisher share gets broken down into two halves so now you've got your 50 cents over here which is just yours as the songwriter yeah the other 50 cents if you've done a co-publishing deal 25 cents of that goes to the publisher and the other 25 cents comes to you so if you sign a standard co-publishing deal you're going to be making 75 cents on every dollar wow, that's fucking phenomenal. But then, you know,
0: so then, so then when you go, so you write the saliva song, you go to a publishing company, and you go, here's a deal. I wrote a legit song. I've got many more of these. I'm ready to get to work. Here's the deal I want. You don't have to give me your deal, but here's the other one. They're like, yeah, that sounds great. And then you just start writing songs. And then are you like writing songs and like, like going, like sending them to people?
3: Well, that's another job of the publisher uh, a publisher has a whole department which are called song pluggers. So what they're doing, their job, the song pluggers job is to do exactly that is to take the songs that you write and find out in the business, who's looking for songs. You know, what artists are getting ready to make a record, what type of songs are they looking for? And then they'll plug those songs. And, and uh, you know, and, and that still goes on quite a bit, but, and that's just a cutthroat business because now there's, so many songwriters out there writing songs that, uh, you know, to get a song on a a, a successful artist record is really hard these days, but that's what you rely on a publisher to set up those type of of connections for you. Um, what I've found is that, uh, is that in this business, it's really all about relationships. So you can rely on a publisher to do that, but your best bet is always to be out there making those relationships, make like, relationships with the artist directly.
0: Like going to like, uh, like album release parties and... I'm, I'm, I'm Anything, so.
3: whatever it may be. In my case, I got very lucky because I also uh, became the singer in a very successful band. And so I was in that world. So my buddies became... Rock stars, you know. I, I was just always on tour with with rock stars, and, and and um so I was always around them. And I developed. So tell me, me how you got
0: to that place. So you write a few successful songs, and this is, I'm guessing, '97.
3: I'm gonna say, let's just say, '99. I signed my first record deal. Okay. As an artist.
0: As an artist, uh, and it was, and a, that was always your goal.
3: That way, yeah, I wanted to be a rock star. Yeah. Um. But I had, uh, and, and so that was around the time that, that things started feeling like I hadn't just wasted 10 years of my life. It started, I started to see some payoff, you know? Yeah. People were paying attention to me. Like I said, you know, the, the, the publishing deal, I signed a record deal, um, and, I, uh, and and once you sign a record deal, you are now kind of brought into that family. So on the, on the record label with me was bands like Motley Crue, Meatloaf, uh, uh, Blondie, Sammy Hagar—all yeah. of these artists I ended up working with because I was in that world. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, during that time, I made a solo record, my very first professional solo re- record, and it got released and just tanked, completely tanked. Really? But during that time, I was starting to write with all of these successful artists. I, I wrote. Uh, with Sammy Hagar. I wrote a lot of songs uh, for Motley Crue. Um, I ro- ended up writing a lot of songs for Meatloaf um, and and other artists like that. And something very interesting happened. As my record just completely tanked, checks started coming in. Big checks started coming in because I was I had all of these songs on these successful artists' records. And that's when I started going, hmm, I can spend my time writing songs for other artists and just sit back and let the money roll in or I can keep on trying to be an artist myself which would have me focusing primarily just on writing songs for myself you know and you can really only do one album a year so that's only 12 songs get out there and run the risk of that album tanking like mine did so I thought well this just this is obvious I should just be a professional songwriter so for several years I was completely content with that, and I was building a really wonderful career. It's got to be really nice. It's like oh.
0: none of the pressure, like and and, and like like uh, I was saying to someone, there was a, a comic. He I, I I'm not gonna say his name, and just in case he didn't, he never said this. But there's a, a comic who was getting ready to tell a story, uh, and on um on uh one on the storytelling show on Comedy Central, and I saw him uh, the night like. Few weeks before he was going to do it, and I saw him tell the story, and I thought personally, I thought I've been doing stand up longer than he has. I said, "Oh, he's definitely getting in his way. Like I can see where he's getting in his way. Yeah, like I can see. I can. I I would get rid of that line immediately. And so I was with his agent, and I pulled him aside, and I was like, "Hey, man, if you need help with that story, like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's kind of what I do. Like I'm really good at stories, and I can I can definitely help you. And so he came over here, and we we podcasted it. I do not I ever release that. It was, I, we just talked in the microphone so that I could give it to him later.
3: It was like a, a work session.
0: I said, tell me your story. Right. I said, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to ask every detail of the story. I want to know everything about the story. I want We're going to tell your story. We
3: should have done that with me today because I feel like I'm all over the place. Oh, no, this way. is perfect. Okay. By the way, this is.
0: I'm, I'm fucking fascinated. <laughs> <All right>. So <laughs> he told me a story for 45 minutes. And then at the end, I said, here's how I tell your story. And I told him his story back to him. And I mean, it, when we were doing it, he was standing up and he was like jumping around going, this is awesome. Amazing. I go, dude, it's just, it's so much easier for me to hear your story and tell your story back to you than it is for me to work on my own story. Because right. I get in my own way. Right. I wish that someone would do this with me. Right. Like I remember Sugura had the greatest story, but the end sucked but it's it, but he's attached to the end he's attached <laughs> to the end because it, it really happened to him right I go lose that dude this is your end right, right and he was like oh that's fucking great and I go dude it's just because I don't have any attachment to the truth because right. it's not my story that it's so much easier I was going to do a podcast called uh let me tell you your story where people dude, come in that's and tell awesome. me, tell me like a 45 minute story or tell me a story and then I tell it back to them I'm really good at I'm really good at that of like the the arc finding the arc finding the you know i can't do it perfectly but like i can figure out someone's story pretty quickly
3: it's a to me it's a lost art form i have known probably two or three fantastic storytellers in my life they all happen to be funny but you know storytelling is not always about being funny um but uh, since I've been uh, watching your stuff and just kind of getting immersed in in the, the world of comics again, which I find so fascinating, I'm realizing the importance of that, the importance of, what was it, the, the economy of words? Oh, and, and, yeah. And, and it's, it's so funny to me because I guess in my business, I do that. But in my business, I get the luxury of being able to... Work it and work it and work it in privacy, rework it until I've just got the perfect, until it's impeccable.
0: It's that's the worst part of it. I I don't
3: understand how you do that. It fascinates me, it's it terrifies me.
0: I always tell this story, I don't don't always tell it, but I've told this before. Um, I I did not like when I did that album, Comfortably Dumb, that was I had uh, probably two stories on there. It's I think it was what I was best at, right? Uh, and I realized that young, I was like. We did a storytelling show. Me and this guy DC Benny in New York, and I and I told in that show. I told uh, I told three stories during that show, th- the storytelling thing that I only did probably like five weeks of. Right. I told three or four stories that ended up on albums somewhere, and I was like, I was like. And I remember doing them and going, like, I think I found my niche. I think I found that I love telling a story, and I like a storytelling room. It's very different than a comedy club room. Telling a story in a comedy club room is a lot harder. So I tell the machine on Rogan, and Rogan's like, that's your story. you got to learn how to tell that on stage. And I go, oh, it's not a stage story. He's like, no, it is. And he's like, "And he said on the podcast, if you guys see this man live, yell the machine until he tells that story. Right. And I was, like, I was like, whoa. So I was in Columbus the next week. The whole crowd Rogan was is has always been very big in Ohio because his co host Red Band's from Ohio and Ohio is like Death Squad territory. Right. And so I'm at the funny bone. It's sold out and they're yelling the machine and it's at the end of my show. And I go, guys, I'm not gonna tell it. And this kid in the front row, I wish I knew who the fuck he was. He goes, Bert, we understand it won't be good, but you have to tell this story so that it will get good. And he goes, Don't worry, we'll laugh. And I was he like, he said
3: that sat he's, in the he's coaching you basically. Row.
0: And he's like, he's like, we under like, he's a comedy fan. He goes, we understand it won't be good, but right. you got to tell it in order to make it good. Oh, that's amazing. So I told that story for four years, for four years, for one year, it bombed really? for a year. I told it every show for a year and it bombed. Wow. Dude, like, like, I, I think anyone that ever wants to get into comedy should hear what I'm saying. Right. I was an accomplished comedian. Right. I could do stand up and kill for an hour. Right. And at the end of every hour, I told one story that bombed, and that's how I closed my shows. Oh my god! Because I was like, I got to learn how to tell this story. I got to learn how to tell stories. So for four years, I invested in this story, and I kept, and it got to the place where, like, year three, it was even at year three. I didn't have a closer for it. Right. Like, I didn't have the. Cl- I, well, I remember, by the way, oddly enough, it was in Columbus once again where I realized the closer. I remember what direction I was looking in when I realized the closer. And it's something that I, <coughs> to this day, is like a, 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 a foundation of the way I tell stories. Right. And I heard in myself uh, when he spit r- vodka in the girl's face and shuts the door. <laughs> He said to me, and I remember, I remember I got lost on some other detail. The fact that she was Puerto Rican. This teacher was Puerto Rican. right? And I told a hacky joke there. But what he said to me was, fuck that bitch, this is Russia. And I thought instantaneously, I was looking to the right of the room, and I thought, and they used to have trees on the, um, on the stage at, right. the, at the Funny Bone, the old club. They'd have trees on each side of the right. stage. And I thought, I just planted a sapling. <laughs> I bet I can let that sapling grow. And at the end of the story, in my head, I'm doing, I'm still telling the story. Right. But I you're go, thinking this. I go, I just found out how I'm going to close this story. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I get to the end of the story and I say to the cop, he goes, so I understand you in the machine. That's where I thought it ended. That's where I thought the story was over, but it fell. always fell flat. And I, th- I thought, oh, my God, I just figured out this story. And I and I said to him, I'm not in trouble. And the cop gets so close to me, I can smell his morning cigarette. And he says, no, fuck that bitch. This is Russia. Oh, and then the story's man. over. And I went, dude, if I hadn't told it for four, four years. fucking years. I just told Rogan the other day, we're, we're getting ready for my last special. And he goes, are you ready? And I said, I would like four years to work on it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind four more years. Like, But I think I'll always feel that way. And, uh,
3: well, that just fascinates me. Like, uh, you know, f- for me, it's just expected. You have, if you have a hit song, or you have a collection of hit songs, you gotta sing that song every time you perform for the rest of your life.
0: But, 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 I believe, I believe there's something to that. Like, I know as a fan, there are comics that I want to, I want to see what Bill Burr's working on. Right. By the way, I actually, I actually, I actually don't need to see any bit he's done before because right. I always like what he's working on yeah uh, same with Tommy but w- when it comes to because they're not really storytellers they' they are more comics David tell I I wouldn't mind hearing some of his older jokes because I they have such a place in my heart right but if he chooses I want to hear what he's writing on he's a great joke writer when it comes to storytelling Ron white tells the greatest story ever in stand-up comedy huh. it's one of the it's the have you ever heard of his Tater salad story no I'm going to bastardize it for you. It's yeah, yeah. that good of a story. Uh, and by the way, I'm not going to say that. But Anyway, he doesn't tell this anymore. He told it one time. It, I think it really changed his career. He told it on the Blue Collar Comedy Show. He was in a bar in New York, and he was wearing a hat, and he was drunk. I am shortening this story just to get to the best part. Right. So... Uh, And he gets kicked. They say, take your hat off. And he's not going to take his hat off. And they kick him out of the bar. They beat him up. And the cops show up. And the cops start to arrest him. He goes, now, I told you. And he goes, now, he goes, there's something you need to know about me. I grew up in a small town in Texas. He's like, like a thousand people it was small the guy next door to me was the arresting was was a police officer i grew up with him the guy next door to me was the town police officer we grew up together he knows me one day i get a dui and i get put in the tank and this guy that i grew up with that i knew my whole life comes to the tank and says um what's your name and he goes are you fucking shitting me i grew up next to you what's your name he goes my name is ron white and he goes any aliases and he goes yeah they call me tater salad <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> just fucking with this guy that he grew up with and he right. goes i told you that story only to tell you this story <laughs> i'm sitting handcuffed outside new york city and they go i'm sorry are you ron tater I'm salad, salad white? <laughs> white and it's <laughs> such a great story now listen if you said to me i could go see ron white and see what he's working on i definitely want to see what he's working on he's a brilliant comic right but if you told me he's gonna he's gonna tell the tater salad story at the end i'd be like how much more for the ticket yeah yeah i'll, I'll pay another 30 bucks i want to hear tater salad
3: well how, so how do I, you decide when when it's time to hang a joke up
0: um i think for the mo for the most part i have not decided wisely Hmm. Like, uh, I, you know, you, you really o- underestimate how many people heard a joke. Like when I first released that story, um, and I would say that's my stairway to heaven. Sure. When I first told it on Rogan, I remember a million people saw it and I was like, oh, that's all that's everyone's heard yeah, it now. Yeah. And then it got released. I told her on a comedy festival and it got, and it got 4 million people and I was like, Whoa. And then I told it for my special, and I was like, all right, I'm done with it. I'm retiring it. And then I posted the joke on Facebook, and it got like 30 million views. And that is the first time I realized, oh, no one's heard this joke. Right. No, actually, no one's ever heard this story. Right. I had thought everyone heard it. Right. I had thought I'm telling the same story over and over again, and everyone's heard it a million times. No one had heard it. Yeah. No one you're knew You're in who your I was. bubble,
3: and you think, well, of course, everyone in your bubble has heard it, but... It's, it's very deceiving. Same way with, with me in, in, in my business, you know, I, I, you know, it's very easy to think that you're super famous when, you know, with social media and you have all of these, all of these fans every day, checking in on what you're doing and reposting stuff and talking about you. But, and then you meet somebody super famous and you're like, man, I'm, I'm nobody.
0: Oh, especially like when you see, like, I remember being on the road and being like, yeah, my meet and greets are aggressive. And then I remember one day I was at the Ice House with Joe and I thought we were done for the night. It was like me, Joe, and Tom, I think. I thought we were done for the night and all of a sudden I realized every single person in that room is in line to take a picture with Joe. No one knows who I am. No one knows who I am. Yeah. And they all want to take a picture with Joe and they all want to tell Joe their story of why he's so important to them. Right. And I th- remember seeing that going, oh, I'm, I don't know what I'm complaining about with meet and greets. Right. Like this is next level yeah. this is something i can't i can't wrap my head around yeah and and i i think that really like i he's one of those guys that's just inspirational i think to all of us because you're like he really is doing his own fucking thing yeah yeah like no one's making he has no boss he's doing podcasts in spanish right like he's just like he's just fucking next level right it's hard to be friends with a guy like that because you really do have to compartmentalize the advice you get from someone like that because they are driven, they are focused, but and and you can very easily get swept up in him and be and just be like, like everything Joe says is right because by the way, it's really close to right a lot of times, right? And then right. it's really hard to be your own man and go, oh no, I think I can run a marathon with no training and just and be like, right. oh, fuck it, I'll do it. You know, like well, or what, like going, what, you know, what do you?
3: like how do you decide how to quench your hunger for, for like you know I heard you talking about you want to own an island you know you've you've had all of these the you want to have a compound all of that stuff yes you still want all that stuff yes what like what drives you to that do you think that you'll do you think that you'll ever reach a point of contentment prior to that or do you look at somebody like joe and his success and kind of are you trying to, to to are you trying to attain that success or i think i want
0: to do it in my own i like it's an interesting question because i think there are a lot of people there are a lot of people in this business and i think once again we talk about those people that are writing those knockoff songs there are a lot of people that watch Bill or Joe and I'd say those are the two probably biggest guys in our industry right now and they watch what they're doing and they try to replicate exactly what they're doing right like there's guys trying to do a podcast because Joe does one by the way by the way I'm also that guy I did a podcast because Joe told me to do it like he said you need to do a podcast right and I was like okay and then I bought all the equipment and then literally Tom Segura and Joey Diaz drove to my house Hit record and said, You're doing a podcast. So I'm not like an original guy. Like that, my podcast is birthed out of. The fact that I loved Joe's, I loved Tom's, I loved Ari's, I loved Joey's, right. I loved what they were doing, and I just copied them. Well,
3: I'm sure that Joe Rogan would 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 tell you that that his was birthed out of something as well, I, you know. It,
0: yeah, oh, he, he always says it was birthed out of Opie and Anthony. Yeah, there you go. Is that there he watched listen Opie and Anthony, he loved the hang, right. and that's why he started the podcast. But I, for
3: somebody like me, I look at what you have going on, and to me, and 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 listen, I've. I've had my own arc in the music industry. I've I've had the eight thousand square foot mansion with an elevator and all of that crazy stuff. Yeah. Way too many air conditioners to even wrap your head around. <laughs> uh, and I just I, I reached a point where none of that, all of those things that I wanted, you know, the the private g- gated community and all this stuff, none of it was fulfilling what I thought it was going to fulfill. I'm I'm gonna I'm interested to to watch where you go as you keep growing. Really this stuff that's really interesting.
0: You say that because I think I'm on the precipice of wondering will the that i i said this in therapy today i was like will the big house be the itch i need like w- i'm really happy in this house i really love this house right. i love that we can are we okay oh, i thought you said uh, i thought um i i love that i wake up and i yell leanne And she can hear me. Yeah. Like our house was smaller than this before. And when we first built it out to this size, I went, oh, I don't like that. I can't hear the girls do everything. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this big enough house. And now I'm at a place where I go, do I want, do I want a bigger house? Do I want nicer cars? Or am I really just happy? Like I'm, I'm really happy that's like, an
3: that's an incredibly important question to ask yourself especially once you start getting success because it's very e- it's very easy you know once that momentum picks up and 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 you know different channels of of income start coming in and and y- you know what it's like once you make the first X amount, then it starts becoming easier and easier to kind of start parlaying that and making more and more. Yeah. And you really have to keep yourself in check because otherwise one day you just wake up and all you think about is, fuck, I've got six air conditioners. What's, you know, what, what if one of these things falls through? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what if
0: one, I don't ever want to be there. Like right now I get a check from a weekend of doing stand up and I'm still like. I still go holy shit. Like Sugran and I were talking about this the other day. And we were like we were, when it's night nice, when you add shows it's really nice. You go wow, I'm adding a show. Usually you get 100% of the door and you can do the math. Pause. Let's tell you what it is. It's like, you know, it's an extra t- extra 10 grand. Right. Like free. Like right. just and to add a show. So when you add a show, Sugran and I are both like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right.
3: Literally They'll, by saying yes. Yeah, like,
0: by going, yeah, let's add a show. And you know that if it's sold out two weeks ahead of time, you're going to sell 250 tickets over two weeks. It's like, and so we were talking about how great that is and how at one point that one show wasn't what we were ever making on the road for a month. Right. And then you go, the key is, and and he's making a great deal of money right now, but the key is to not overextend yourself so that you look at that added show as the norm. Right and and like we were and then we were talking or you about, start
3: wishing for that added show you know that w- when you start going shit I, I I hope we can add one more show because I need this it shit's expensive yeah that sucks
0: yeah I don't want to be there I don't ever want to get there our mortgage is like our mortgage is nothing our mortgage is like 2,500 bucks yeah dude and I,
3: I I paid my house off and and, and it's that's like,
0: that's Bill Burr mentality that's
3: the that's the best day of your life
0: I would like to pay my house, I don't know if I can, I would, I would like to pay my house off and own it free and clear. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if that'll happen. But then part of me goes, what if I could get myself, what if I could get myself to the next level in a house maybe right. where we still have a low mortgage, like we put a bunch of money down and still have a low mortgage and then we have a nice, really nice house. Like my buddies just bought. One of our my buddies just bought like a two point five million dollar house, right? Really nice, really right. really nice in the valley. Just huge, just huge, legit huge. And uh, and then all of a sudden, one of the lead guys for this movie that he was working on uh, wasn't it wasn't happening. Like and oh, and I'm the, just getting
3: I'm getting stressed out just thinking about what you're gonna tell me.
0: And the movie started going away,
3: oh.
0: and he was like, Oh my god, that can't happen. Like, I've got, you know, uh, fifteen thousand dollars I have to pay in mortgage every month or whatever. Right. And he's like I this Luckily the movie went, but there was a there was a week where he was really tough to be around. Yeah. <coughs> and well, I saw I, that and I was like, I don't want that.
3: Imagine how imagine writing <laughs> jokes under that kind of pressure.
0: And that's what the music industry is.
3: Absolutely. Because
0: the music is industry in a weird way is it's like like flaunt it. Like like get the Get the nice house. Get the sports car.
3: It is. And that's that's you've just described exactly where I'm at in my career is I have finally just gotten fed up with that because in my in my business, none of it's real. Uh, We were talking about this on on my podcast the other day. Out of all the rock stars that I know, all of the, the famous people that I know, I don't know one of them you're going to be the first one. I don't know one of them where their Instagram or their social media account is real, that it's actually what their life is like because they're all fucking stressed out and they're all, you know, dealing with, with real life things. I don't understand why once we get some success, we feel the need to even polish it up more and make it look more un- unreal than it is. That seems so unusual to me. That's why I appreciate what you're doing because you're just you're no bullshit. In, in my business, I just feel like I'm just constantly surrounded by bullshit.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of bullshit on our side of it. I was talking to Delia about it the other day. And Chris Lee is just very funny. So on his Instagram, he's just being funny. He doesn't do shit like uh, sold out show. So uh, shows sold out this weekend, which is one of the, like, why are you posting that? Like, why are you telling people your shows are sold out? Right. If you're adding a show, tell people you're added a show. Right, but right. don't be like, shows are sold out. You know, like, what's up, guys? Yeah. Like, and a lot of people do that. They'll just put a tweet, sold out show. And you're
3: like i don't I, understand I, I, what purpose that serves i, I mean literally makes if you feel you, good i i've done it by the it way i've makes done you it You feel good but at the expense of almost everyone that's tuning in to watch you because it just makes them feel shitty about well, themselves every
0: comic it every comic goes like oh great i know you're doing great like it's 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 a reflection we look at ourselves inwardly and we're like oh great and but then but then uh I guess the theory is that fans see it and they're like, "Oh, I got to get tickets." His shows sell out. I guess. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I've done it. Like I did it. Like I, like I did it out of pride. I, I went to Australia and I sold out like uh, five cities, and they were all like. I think the smallest one we did was like 900 seats, and I really? was really proud of that. And I felt like I felt like this is, by the way, this is ego talking entirely. <laughs> I felt like no one's gonna know that I sold out shows in Australia if I don't tell them
3: hey and listen and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with boasting about that stuff we work very hard I
0: was like like, if a tree falls in the forest does anyone know that it was sold out (laughs) and I just was like I was like fuck this and I took video and I was like sold out fucking shows
3: listen there's nothing wrong with that I I think what I'm getting at is there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you do you work hard
0: but then there's also it. It is married to like, it is married to, um, to this narcissism. It's yeah. it, like it's nothing. There's there's one thing to be proud about it, but like then it's also like like not to bring up Tom so much in this podcast, but Tom will never tell you if he sold out a show. Like he just does not give a fuck. Bill Burr will never post that shows are sold out. Right. He just won't do it. If it shows added, it he'll tell you. I remember when you're this is my favorite. This is my favorite Bill Burr uh, quote. It, by the way, and I'm probably misquoting it. So when you're a comic, when you so the, the levels of comic are, uh, you get like a thousand bucks is like first buy-in, and then and you get to like two thousand bucks, and you get to three thousand bucks, and you get three thousand in bonuses. Right. Then you get like five thousand in bonus, four thousand bonuses, higher bonuses. When you get to like six grand. Uh, you you could you could argue you could get a percent you could start negotiating a percentage deal but for like in a weird way for some reason six grands where you stop getting like it's six grand in bonuses and then it's a flat buyout for ten grand right like it just jumps because there's a, it just there aren't people that sell tickets in between that there, there's no one that's so doing, ten
3: grand is kind of the ceiling for ten once you want ten grand
0: is like. I swear to
3: God. Are you talking clubs? Yeah, clubs, okay, clubs. Yeah, okay. just clubs, just clubs.
0: Theaters get really confusing. Okay. Um, so you go like six grand, and then all of a sudden you make a leap from six grand to 10 grand. It's like a 10 grand buyout, because like they figure anyone who's making six grand is probably going to hit their bonuses, does pretty good radio, and then in a weird way, the agents just negotiate to 10 grand. So right. then you do 10 grand. So you're right. like, okay. And then, it, then the leap goes... And there are some comics that just go, I want to buy out. Like, give me... Uh, give me 15 grand, that's all I want, you know? Yeah. I just, I don't want to worry about ticket prices, I don't want to have to worry about promoting it, that's on you. Yeah, I get it. Give me fifth, there's, it, it, there are guys like that, like I would say, I'm not gonna say names, but like some older SNL guys are just like, I don't want to deal with the fucking headache of promoting shows, just give me a buyout, even if it's like five grand less than what I could get if I had a door deal, right. but then you get door deals, and once you get door deals, you start getting emails from your agents every day about your tickets. Right. They give Dilly and, and I were talking about this yesterday and you like, especially you're doing a theater, like I'm doing a theater this weekend and I'm watching it sold like it sold 96% like a month ago. Right. And then I think they, they, they opened up. 200 seats that right. they didn't think they were gonna sell right and because it was sold out for so long I think people didn't know about it so these last 200 have just been moving like fucking a snail Jeez. so I look at it every day I look at it every day I always get an email I'm and like, that's not good right. like, watch I'll, I'll tell you exactly how many tickets I sold yesterday this is <laughs> by the way th- I find this this is my favorite <laughs> Dele and I were like literally bullshitting about this I, j- I go to the t- I write, type in ticket and it comes up uh Jesus Christ. I guess i am got a lot of offers to go to Rocket Games. Oh, I spelled ticket wrong. I'm a fucking idiot. I think I got CTE. <laughs> Here. Okay, ready? So, Jesus, did I spell it again wrong? Uh, T I
3: T I C K. Okay, there we okay.
0: Go. so Brandon Norman sends me my ticket counts every day. Shout out to Brandon Norman at UTA. Uh, and so I, I open it up. With, I'm with D'Aleah. And I look... And I sold nine tickets yesterday, right? We're still, like, now we're 100 tickets away. How do you away. feel about that? We're 100 tickets away. <laughs> right. We're less than 100 tickets away. We are 90 tickets away from being sold out. But I go, nine fucking
3: tickets? Yeah, it's like, fuck, only nine people care about me today?
0: So, yeah, So but I, I go, and I go, okay, That those shows are so, okay, that, that's moving nicely. Okay, and then I'm like, oh, I'm a little worried about... laugh out loud comedy club in san Uh, antonio you're getting
3: way too deep into this it's because
0: you start terrible and then you go okay i got to do a promo video to promote that because then the club will get it they'll blow it out to their fans right and so i go okay so one night i'm talking to bill burr and i go uh i go uh you get your ticket count still and he goes he just smiles he goes Nah. i said you don't you don't stress about that shit and he goes Burt, they all sell out and i go, go. I I said, get me to that place in my life where you just go. By the way, Bill Burr doesn't give a fuck. If he's short 100 tickets, he doesn't care. Right. Let's fuck him. So what? So what? I I lose (laughs) $1,000? $2,000? If Bill Burr is second show sells half he goes fine i'll do a show for half he doesn't care he does not give a fuck and segura's that way joe's that way like but and then but and i were like oh yeah 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 i look at i look at accounts sure, right. like it's it's almost fun because you work so hard in this business
3: yeah listen it's it it is fun to be able to watch the business working there's no question about oh that. yeah there's this uh, there's a, a publishing company that i'm that i'm looking at right now that has an app <laughs> that oh literally God. dude in oh real time God. in real time tells you how much so your song is making and so i was in a meeting with them and he pulled it up and he says you want I, I forget the artist let's just say like drake you yeah. want to see how much this song you know whatever it is whatever the title is by drake pulls it up and it's just like a fucking tape. It's just going and going and going. I'm like getting anxiety watching the dollars just fly into this kid's love bank that. account. I would love that. I know you would. It's, I would love that. You'd, you'd love it for a few minutes and then it would just be brutal because was, then you start seeing it slow down and you're like, what do I do? What do I, I do? I was
0: obsessed with, uh, and everyone that knows my podcast knows what I'm about to say. I was obsessed with a thing called Google Trends. So Google Trends would track you, your popularity online, and you'd watch yourself spike. And so you knew that if you did something big, you'd spike. And I was obsessed with it. I would go on every day. I would check out how many people were Googling me that day over the week, over the month, over 10 years, and I would watch it. And then I'd I'd compare myself to other people and go, ooh, that person uh, name, I won't say right now, had a Netflix special, and all of a sudden I'm bigger than, I haven't even been on Netflix, and I'm bigger than that person? Right. Oh, nice. Okay. All right, this one had a, I remember Christina Bajinski out spiked me, and I went, "Okay, good, 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 good." Right. She had a Netflix special, and I remember thinking, "If I get a Netflix special, I could spike where she's at." I was like, "Nice, okay." And then, I, and then I like, and like I'd watch Tommy, and I'd see him spike when his special air and I'd be like, "Yeah, I gotta get on Netflix. Like, and so I'd track it, and then it got to the point where I went, "I'm never touching it again. Yeah. I'm never looking at it again because I don't think it's healthy." Because what was happening was I was almost like stuck in a in in a in a on a treadmill going like. I got a spike today.
3: Oh, it's rough, man. I, I I learned had a similar experience just watching the the charts. You know, watching my songs climb the charts and oh. the first few times you're watching the songs climb the charts it's very exciting you know you get pumped up you're like i can do more of this i can do more of this and then it gets to the top you're like i'm king of the world and then it starts going minus spins and it starts because inevitably everything starts dropping and the minute that the minute it reaches its peak and starts going down it gets so fucking hard to get back in the studio and write something you're like why should i write a song they don't care about me they've already stopped you know they've stopped listening to me they don't care it's (laughs) such a rejection it's a terrible thing to do it's a terrible it's it's so fleeting everything's fleeting
0: it is I remember when when I first started selling tickets this last year or whatever you know and I I I, talking about Tommy a lot I made fun of him pretty bad in the open but uh, I remember saying to him like how long does it last and he goes if you keep working hard it stays around here and he was like, and I go, I feel like it's freezing. It fleeting. stays around like a certain it, you, you point. You can always where do you can always do clubs. Got it. You can always do clubs. Theaters are you know, and the next conversation, will you go to theaters? How can you go to bigger theaters? Right. You see guys like Sebastian doing eighteen thousand seats in a venue. You see you you see Rogan doing you know fucking ten thousand seats in a venue, getting right. stuck in traffic jams, right. and you go, okay, will I get there? And then I remember Tommy and I going like, we're cool here. We're yeah. cool with clubs. Yeah. We're cool clubs. Let me do a theater run and I'll do one of those and then I'll go back to clubs. And yeah. then, you know what? And then I'll do another theater run and then back to clubs. And so, but it is, there is the weird feeling that is it fleeting? Is it disappearing? Do, are you out of, and then it gets unhealthy. You start cannibalizing your life by putting everything on Twitter and Instagram and getting online and flipping online. And you're not living a real life that was the guy that you were when you started writing right. material. Right. Which exactly. is, which is something you said yeah. in your podcast. The one I listened to was that. You become this, you, you lose the kid that moved out here yeah. to follow the dream.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I find more often than not now, I have to go back to earlier stuff that I did, earlier songs That's that I did. so
0: funny. We were cleaning my fucking man cave out today, and I had a joke book that said, uh, fuck bitches. Make money. Right. And I, and Leanne's, and immediately Leanne's like, you should keep that. Cause yep. that's whatever brain wrote on the front of their notebook, fuck bitches, make
3: money. Yeah. That was a dude on his way up. That was a dude that was hungry. Yeah. It was, it was creative. And I, I do that a lot now. And, and, you know, I, I think that, um, uh, for me personally, um, I had to find, my level of success that worked well for me and it wasn't what i thought it was going to be it it wasn't the mansion it wasn't the island it wasn't private jets and all that shit fortunately i got to do all of that stuff well not the island yeah. um but i got to do all of that and i very quickly realized oh this is just not at all what i thought it was going to be um and, and you, you just got to find where you're you know, where your plateau is. And then I think that if you're smart and you're talented, you can sustain that plateau as long as you need to.
0: And if you don't invest too much of your personality into it, if you don't invest yeah. your, like I remember Patrice O'Neill told me one time, um, it's all about raising your base. He goes, right now, my base, he goes, they can't take stuff away from me. He goes, my base at the time was, I can go out and I can make $2,000, every week for an entire year right and no one can take that away from me right and he goes all i want to do is raise my base at the time i got a sitcom he goes your your problem is you got launched up here where you're making x amount of dollars a week and they can take that away from you and when they take that away from you bert i remember him saying like bert you go back to work in the door like you don't you don't have a base right you need to create a base my base at one point this is going to sound so silly was uh was uh town cars Like, the fact that I could get in town car, I remember being, like, in that town car one time and going, they can totally take this away from me. Yeah. Like, I like like riding in town cars. I like not driving. I like going to work in a town car and then coming home and not having to worry about, and I can have drinks. Yeah. I like that. And I was, I remember I was driving, it was right when Bert the Conqueror was getting canceled, and I was driving out to, uh, to, uh, uh, What's the theme park about the berries? berries? Knotts berry, Knott's berry, berry farm. farm. Right. And I was in a town car, and I thought, "This is going away. Like this, like this is rich people. See, that in. sucks.
3: That feeling, that that reality sucks, and it kind of it can take the joy out of any moment.
0: Yeah, it takes because like, you you do fly in a private jet, and you go. So this is this is the one time I get to do this, or this this will never happen again. Like right. you, and you don't want your personality attached to it, right? So that right. you're like so that it has to be the norm because then the bottom out like there's still guys that fly coach and yeah, they yeah. go yeah yeah i don't ever want to taste the fucking nectar that's first class right and, right and and it's it's really fucking fascinating to me i i think about that but but you think about
3: the, those things like the, the the you know the town car the the private jet <laughs> a lot of that stuff it's we've all experienced that but how often it ha- how often has it actually been on our dime it's usually because Never. yeah it's usually because you know some somebody has flown you out someplace or you know the uh the promoters is, is need you like I, I we 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 took private jets a few times on tour and of course it's always great but it's usually because you have to get from one place to another and somebody is somebody's is footing the bill for that not you not your performance not anything about you but it, you you get kind of sucked into that you know i mean obviously town cars we we end up paying for town cars yeah, but yeah, yeah. but it 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 is, it's almost like that drug. You get little tastes, you get little taste of that drug and you think, Ooh, this is great without any sense that I didn't earn one bit of this. I've that's ridden fun, on a lot of private jets. I've never earned a private jet in my life.
0: Oh, I, I, I've never paid for a private
3: jet. In fact, one time I, we were on tour and, uh, and we had, there was a problem with the bus and I thought, Oh, you know what? We'll just charter a private jet. I'll, I'll, I'll call my brother and, and, you know, see, I, you know, he works for for <laughs> And he called me, it was literally like a half hour flight. And he's like, yeah, I think I can give it to you guys for about $70,000. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You're my brother. He's yeah. like, That's a discount, dude.
0: Dude, I, at one point I planned a tour on a tour bus. Cause I was always, I've always wanted a tour bus. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I want to get a tour bus. I'm going to do, I'm going to go start Miami, go to Fort, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Atlanta tampa orlando jacksonville atlanta uh work my way up the coast dc philly yeah. new york boston and i was like yep and so i write like not a proposal but i write out my plans send it to my agents send it to my managers cc my wife and my manager judy uh it is just, just very pragmatic and she texts back emails in the email it would be cheap. Just so you know, it would be cheaper for you to Uber to these places <laughs> right. than it will be for you to get a tour bus. <laughs> now she goes, you will make no money. Right. And and she's like, so just so you know, you can do this, but you'll lose money doing this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why would I fucking do that? Yeah. She was like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then I you look at people that are on tour buses and you're like, it's a lot of times it's it's like, I got offered a tour bus for a tour I was going to do, but it was, it was given to me by the promoter. Yeah. Yeah. A and you're like, okay, so you need, so that's what I need to do.
3: Yeah. That's, that's the only way to do it. I, I was on tour uh, a couple of years ago and, uh, uh, I'm an avid golfer and I was so, t- I'd been on the road a long time traveling in a tour bus. Very nice situation. It was very cushy. And, uh, I was in my bunk one night and I was thinking, I was talking to a few of my buddies saying, we got to plan a golf trip. Once this tour is done, let's let's do this. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'll get us a tour bus, and, and, and we'll go hit all of these different points in Florida. It'll be awesome. Yeah. And then I started running the numbers on it. And I thought I, this is just ridiculous.
0: It really is. <laughs> it really is. It's so much more cost effective to fly first class to New yeah. York than yeah. it is to get in a tour bus and drive to New York. Absolutely. It's it really does like like it's it costs. Uh, 400 bucks to fly to Sacramento from LA, first class. First class, class, right. 400 bucks. Yeah. Or you can get a tour bus and it'll cost you $20,000.
3: Exactly. And you're like, well,
0: I just got to fly and then fly home. Fuck it. Right. As opposed to, I don't know. I still have a, I've, I've had my heart set on a tour bus. So wait. So talk to me for, if you could, about the leap from songwriter almost producer, putting out your own solo albums to getting into a band and right. being like a legit...
3: Well, I had um, I had produced uh, a few rock bands in a row. I had produced, uh, let's see, I, I think I was producing the Scorpions record at the time. Uh, and um, and uh, Nicky from Motley Crue, I I'd become friends with him because I had produced... The produ- best looking I, of the group. Uh, arguably,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not even arguably anymore. P- poor Tommy Lee. Did you see the thing about Tommy Lee and his son?
3: Yeah, that was they just terrible. Into a fight. That was terrible. See,
0: my problem is, I have always had a like an affinity for Tommy Lee. Like, oh, he's a
3: I, wonderful guy.
0: I, I and I and I and part of me says I don't want him to quit drinking. Like I like that he still drinks. Like, yeah. and I know that he sounds like he's got a problem with it. But like, but like part of me is like no man because once you quit then we all gotta quit
3: yeah listen he's he is i'll I'll tell you this i've known tommy sober and i've known him not sober and he's a lovely guy uh no matter what um and uh he is he's just a great spirit um so so for me i i you know i prefer him Sober, just because it's healthier, and, yeah. and you know, for anyone that that you know, eventually drinking is going to start wearing you down. Oh, as I've, well. I've
0: cut back, yeah. so drastically. But it's,
3: but you're one of these guys that it's not a problem. You're actually you're actually joyful to be around when you're drinking. It's 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 uh, that's the way I was. I yeah. was I was a fucking happy drunk man. I was. I was a blast when I was when I was drinking um but also I just reached a point where you know because of my lifestyle because of the career that I was in I could start drinking at 10 in the morning and I did uh,
0: uh yeah that that crept up on me um and that Australian tour was the first time it really happened where I could drink whenever i wanted and it was australia so it was a little acceptable yeah there and by the way it's sold out venues that is just my fans so if i did have a buzz on stage no one really gave a fuck yeah and like i mean i went on tv and i drank beer out of a shoe and it and it and they were like the one place melbourne that we're having a hard time moving sick tickets sold out immediately right so like you're like okay it's australia um and I was flying every day and performing every night. So I get to the airport. I have a cocktail at the airport, a couple cocktails on the plane, land, take a nap, cocktails at the show. And then I had two days off in Sydney, but I'm on this regiment of cocktails in the morning. Yeah. And I got a day off. Cocktail the in the way, morning. By the way,
3: there's nothing better than drinking in the morning, man.
0: Oh, my God. And uh, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, this is caught up to me. Uh, this is... And then I started to be like, okay, we got a new rule. There's no more drinking in the morning, unless you got a few days to rebound this off. Yeah, like yeah. you can't drink in the morning and then get right back out and start working again. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that that caught up to me. And then I and then we did that sober October. We did a big yeah yeah sober October. How'd that go day. by the way? It was great. It was yeah. great. And I think I learned a lot. But mostly what I learned is I don't. There's no and and I think people don't know this about me or do know it doesn't really matter like I heard one guy said something online and I was like bro you don't know me like you don't hang out with me mm. and I don't hang out with you so like he was like he was like you gotta stop drinking you're gonna die in, a, in like a month and I was like hold on you don't know me like you don't realize what I do know yeah, I, and then I told him I said you need to stop roller skating and he wrote back I don't <laughs> roller skate I go how would I not know that <laughs> I thought we knew each other like yeah and so like now the one thing I accrued from it was not drinking on the road on nights I don't need to drink. Like like a Saturday night, I won't drink. I'll go back and I'll get a, get sleep and get on the get on the flight home. Um not drinking at home. Like right. I I don't drink at home really. And so
3: So like, you've got I, that part figured out. You, yeah, I just don't you drink at home. Assistant. So like
0: if I'm home like tonight I'm doing a private event and I'm certain they're brought me there to have drinks. So right. I'll have drinks. I don't care. It's on right. working. Um but like I didn't drink for the last fourteen days. While I was home. Right. Well, we were sick, but I just, did, I don't need to drink.
3: Well, for me with, with, uh, you know, I've got a pretty excessive personality. I'm not really, I don't really have an addictive personality, but I've got an excessive personality, I'm especially, especially with my bipolar. So I have these manic things that are just like insane happiness. Like I wish everyone that I know and love could, could experience that level of happiness. Because I have it's those.
0: awesome. We call it firing hot. Yeah. And then we found out it was my thyroid. I had an overactive <laughs> thyroid Shit. and I would, cause I, what would happen to me is I would fire, hot and it would be I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say this and I think I, I think I have it too it would be I was so on fire I could start a religion and you would join it like yeah, I could yeah. start a religion I remember yeah. one time I was on a boat in Lake Havasu with a group with 12 people and I or maybe maybe it was probably like 15 people and it was all for my crew and I was and i was watching my friends that i had known for the 5 years we had toured together on this tv show and they were watching me like this is magic bird is in a zone right You're now killing it. and i was killing it right. i got us all in we listened to NXS. excess do do, do 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 we all held hands and sang it to each other and and like people are crying and they're like oh my god what the fuck are you doing and i was like <laughs> yeah i flew home that night i got home and i threw up uncontrollably yeah. i was physically ill for 2 days and i had taken all that positive energy and i had borrowed it from 2 days yep. and i was in a down hole i was in a spiral that i could not get the fuck out of
3: dude it's it's rough you know and and something that um that that people like us who who have a certain level of success and you know I, I don't know what your situation is but you, when you reach a point where you're not thinking about money every day yeah. you know uh and you're a drinker and you can be an excessive drinker. That's where it got dangerous for me, really? you know, because I I love to treat people. To I, I love my favorite thing is to take people out, my friends out for dinners, and 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 spend lots of money on them and make them feel good and and you know, and like for me, I was a, I was I would was a pretty heavy drinker. But like I said, I was always fun to be on. I had a lot of those type of religious moments where I was just fucking killing it, yes. you know, and you you wake up the next day and like, "Man, I was a star last night." And yep. and and until one day my uh my accountant called me, not my business manager, who this was his business to do, but my accountant who literally just does my taxes, and he says, "James, I stay out of your business most of the time. You know that, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, how the fuck can you spend $1,200 at a Buffalo Wild Wings? And, and I was just like, oh man, yeah, this is this is bad. And I, it was just because I was just out buying drinks for people and yeah. it was just me and a couple of guys. And that, so for me, my decision to stop drinking was, it was literally a, a, a financial decision. It was, it was, I, I never, nobody ever sat me down and said, you're drinking too much. Yeah. For me, it was just like, because you pair that with, with the, those manic episodes oh. that I go through, I've, I mean, the decision making was just through the roof crazy. And so for, for me, stopping drinking was the best thing that I ever did.
0: I I haven't paid for a drink.
3: See, I was wondering about that. That's, that's gotta be,
0: I haven't paid for a drink. I haven't paid for a drink. I mean, and we're talking about, you know, (sighs) I haven't paid for a drink.
3: Jesus. Jesus. This is a very interesting pause here. I really couldn't tell you. See, that's that's some serious stuff right there.
0: Well, that's that's where it it's problematic because everyone wants to buy me a drink. Even times where right. you would buy a drink, like like I fly a lot, so even when I'm at the in the in the Admirals Club at, yeah, for yeah. American, well, first of all, all my drinks are free because I'm of my status, yeah. so I don't have to pay. And, uh, like you go into the the lounge and it's you, just a, it's a bar uh ex- beyond it's a next level you've flown a lot huh? i fly fucking, Jeez. yeah it was for travel channel was what the, really oh did yeah it. of course because they were all first class tickets so i was i was i had a month where i flew back and forth from Italy four times Good like Lord. and so the, and those are twenty thousand dollar tickets yeah yeah so um or what probably twelve thousand or eleven thousand maybe nine but anyway so when i where i go it's it's a full bar and you make your own cocktails yeah. in American um but yeah, I, I just
3: uh I was wondering about that with you. I mean, that's you're 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 kind of locked into it now.
0: Well, at the store like I will like so like at the store I'll go and I'll get a drink and I'll like I don't make you pay, but I'll give the guys 20 bucks or something. Right. I'll tip them out 20 bucks every time I get a drink just cuz I, I have money. You're making money at the store. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't I try not to leave home with that money. I try to give it to the guys working there. Right. Um yeah, so I think I I don't I don't buy I don't really buy drinks. You know, and I'm, we don't really go out to eat like me and my family and I don't really drink with the girls. Like I'll have like if we have friends over I'll have a drink or something or I'll drink, but
3: yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, see see that's that's a big difference. I uh, about about a year or two before I stopped drinking, uh we were doing my taxes and I had $14,000 of alcohol alone on taxes and I thought this is just but but that wasn't that was just normal, you know. Yeah. That was just if you were paying for your own drinks, I guarantee you'd be you'd be three times that.
0: Well, anytime I get to a club, there's a handle of Tito's waiting for me. Yeah. And then at the club, uh, usually they'll set up a bar in the green room for me. Yeah. But I don't drink before I go on stage. I don't drink on stage. I'll bring a Tito's and soda with me on stage. Won't touch it. I'll drink it on the late show when I start telling the machine story. And then I leave that Tito's there in the green room. Usually Tito's sends me Tito's to my hotel room. Right, um, And then... Uh, yeah. Like their local reps will be like, Oh, I know you're in town. I'll send you a snowboard or whatever. They send me weird shit sometimes, but usually it's a package with a couple bottles of Tito's and some glasses. And then, and then I drink at the club for free. And that was, that that would be all my drinking for the weekend would be at the club or at the airport. And those are all taken care of. Right, And, uh.
3: I've got to say, binge watching your your uh, podcast, it's it's made me miss drinking not 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 in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm living vicariously through you because you know just to see you pour those big big glasses. At oh, Tito's.
0: that's that, that was my. I, that, I had to stop with. I was making 32 ounce uh, Tito's and sodas. Yeah, that was really catching up to me. Yeah. I remember someone said to me, uh, "I'm not. I can't, I'm not going to tell you the idea of the show, but I'm doing another show. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll will t- tell you off air. I can't, I can't. I don't even know if I can." Uh, we were saying in the, in the premise of the show, we were saying someone said, we're talking about me and a couple guys and a bottle of, uh, just a bottle of Jack Daniels. Right. And someone said that would be like five drinks per person. And I went, by the way, just so you know, my first drink is five drinks. Yeah. Like my first drink is five drinks. Like, like. Like I, I've poured five drinks for my first drink, so like yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but, but I I've pulled that back, and I th- I think I pulled that back astronomically. Um, mostly, I think. I just set up little things like I like the marathon. For me, was like a good reason not to drink. Yeah. So I go, oh, fuck it. I'm. I know. Who wants to drink if you're going to be running a marathon?
3: How, you've done it, right? I'll do it this week. Oh, it's coming
0: but, up. Yeah, but like, but like, I'll be in. I'll be. There's a perfect example. It's Friday night. I'm in Grand Rapids and Founder's Brewery is one of my favorite places in the world. And yeah. so and, But and I don't even really drink beer anymore. But I'll have beers that night. Yeah. On, on Friday night, I won't drink on the flight home. Saturday, I won't drink um, Saturday at all. Um, and
3: then. See, drinking on flights was one of my favorite. Drinking in airport bars, one of my favorite things. And then drinking on flights was one of my favorite things. I think it's something about the altitude.
0: Drinking on planes is pretty fucking amazing. It's awesome. It's pretty fucking amazing. You just,
3: yeah, you solve all the world's problems. You you just, I I love it. I I might just drink, I might
0: drink Friday morning when I do the radio show. I might drink Founders Friday morning and then sleep, do the show, not drink, get up, Early for my flight, fly home sober Saturday, don't drink all Saturday, run the marathon Sunday morning. Yeah, that's what I'll probably Are do.
3: Are you seriously going to drink the day before the marathon?
0: No, 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 no. Saturday, I won't drink. Okay. I might in the morning, but I won't drink at night. <laughs> I don't know. I Yeah. I did. I've done. I've done. I did half marathons like this, though. So But, you like, done, but the weeks leading up, I'm, as long as I'm not drinking a lot weeks leading up. Then By my, the way,
3: you're in great shape. I'm in <laughs> I, do you know you don't feel like
0: you're in great shape i'm in great shape right now i feel really good uh yeah, you i look feel great. better than i've felt in a long time um but wait i want to get back to i want to get back to uh the band and 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 yeah how so you met and- so uh
3: so i uh ended up um writing and producing um the last motley crew record where all four original members um uh, perform together on it and we didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off because there was they weren't all getting along um so i kind of got thrown into the middle of that and was able to successfully bring it together and 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 create a really great record actually uh called saints of los angeles and during that time you know nikki and i had uh, become really close friends and we're starting to write a lot of songs together and um one thing led to another and we just decided to start this little side project. And the whole point of the side project was to kind of push the boundaries of music. We, we all were doing very well in our, in our day jobs, uh, so to speak. Um, so let's create this thing where we can kind of push the boundaries, break the rules a little bit, not really, not really do what what's going on in the music industry. Um, and that side project turned into the band 6am. Uh, and we ended up just completely uh accidentally uh with uh, a hit song called life is beautiful um which took me by surprise i wasn't even supposed to be the singer in the band i was just going to be writing and producing it and then we then we figured that if something were to happen i would help them audition singers um but i have a pretty Broad vocal range. Uh, and so when it came time to consider, uh, you know, finding an, uh, somebody to actually sing it, it was tough. Uh, it was tough to find a, a male vocalist that could hit all of those notes and, and, and reach those ranges. So I just kind of decided, well, I'll go ahead and, and, you know, I'll go ahead and just be the singer in this project. We're not going to tour, we're not going to do anything. Well, then lo and behold, we end up getting a hit song. Uh, And then we had to shoot a video and like, well, I'm not really, this isn't really a band, but uh, okay, I'll go ahead and shoot the video. So we shoot a video and then we get another hit song and we're like, ah, we're still not really a band, but sure, I'll shoot the next video. And that's, that's how 6am kind of unfolded was just, you know, it was a, a labor of love and we had no expectations for it. And it ended up, you know, we've, we are now five studio albums in a decade long career and, Good uh, God. and it's just, it's been wonderful. I mean, I've toured the world. I've, you know, played night after night for 80,000 people and, you know, big festivals and stuff. And, and it's just been an incredible experience, uh, but certainly not something that, that, well, it was something that I was counting on happening in my twenties, but not in my forties. Yeah. That's insane.
0: Did it, was it, was it what you thought it would be?
3: parts of it yes um there is you know this and anybody that has been able to perform in front of a large audience and really dominate really kill it there is no greater feeling in the world like when you walk off stage you're like i fucking killed it it is godly um and and it fills your head with all sorts of chemicals that nothing else on this planet can do you know what that's like um and that can become very addictive. Uh, that part of it, yeah. I mean, everything that you can possibly imagine about that, absolutely, 100%, yes. Yeah. All of the fantasies about being a rock star, yeah, they're all there. They're all real. Um, but along with that, for somebody like me that, that uh, I, I really don't like, um, I don't like, presenting myself in a way that's not really me yeah i found that every ounce of who i was presenting myself uh, as was not the real me i was playing a character for for 10 years i played a character and it broke my heart because because you know i'm a, I'm a pretty honest guy and and I, I like to have real conversations with people about real things and i'm very interested in in I'm I'm very interested in just the dynamics of life and and how people interact and stuff. You don't get to do a, any of that stuff when you're playing a character all the time. So yeah. so that part of it was was really disappointing to me and and the part that I found the most troubling was the fact that fans were buying into that. You know, when I would meet fans and and they would pour their heart out to me about how a song that I had written had affected them it, it it made me feel like a fraud. Yeah, you know, and and that part was really hard for me. I'm still struggling with that, and and that's partially why I'm. That's a big reason why I'm doing the podcast now, and I'm I'm trying to find forums where I can just be myself, you know, and and and, and not be wearing the, the the eyeliner and and doing all the stuff that you have to do when you're in that world. I'm trying to i'm I'm trying to carve out a career for the second half of my career where I can still experience some of those great things, but do it on my terms and do it in a in a way that is honest and and that I don't feel like a fraud
0: yeah yeah i think i think that we feel that in stand up i think podcasting's kept me sane
3: I can imagine
0: because all the stuff i share i share i mean this is as i mean I'm in workout clothes, I'm not like dressed i'm a I know this is, cam- I'm on camera, but I'm not like, I, n- I never really thought of the, like that people would be like, why is Bert?" like someone's like, you play with your toes a lot. And I was like, oh, that's who I am. You know, like. See, but-
3: I, I got to tell you Bert, I, I love that. And, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You're, you're actually a huge inspiration to me for this transitional stage of my life. Oh, thank you. Because I watch how you talk about life I watch how you talk about your family um and I and just the the level of of honesty and sincerity about that without any filters is something that I am craving in my life and Uh,
0: it's so funny you say that because I was listening you talk about how you find Los Angeles to be a soulful place yeah and I was like I was like I don't see the life like that like I look at Los Angeles I look at I'm such a cynic at times that I just look at like I look at like I don't I, I, I have a hard time seeing the beauty of things right like I remember like this is my view of Los Angeles is uh is I go yeah. there's so many people that came out here with a dream like their dream was attached to their their happiness was attached to a dream right right and so many people don't get their dream that you do run into the negativity of the dream killers
3: like that's the first thing you run into
0: yeah, yeah and then you were like, Oh, I find Los Angeles to be such a soulful place. And then I started thinking to myself, "Hold on. Wait, when I came out with a dream, I thought it was a soulful place too. I was like, "Wait, what's happening to me
3: well, that now I just see dream killers?" Listen, that that's the real, but <coughs> but what I'm what I meant by that and and I firmly believe this is that You just described it. People come here for one reason, to become a star. We both know that the- To fix
0: all their problems. uh, Right. To change who they are and become the version that they always wanted to be
3: themselves. But we both know that the odds of that being, of happening are so slim. You know, one in whatever, one in a million, whatever it may be. So most people come out here, they go through a terrible crushing heartbreak of of a shattering of their dreams and then they eventually leave. They go back to where they came from and they pick up the pieces and they try to to make sense of it all. But for the few people that stay out here and stick it out, even though their dreams have been crushed, they have to go through a level of soul searching just to stay sane that most people will never go through in their lives. And those people... Have created a community out here of what I believe are some of the most soulful people on the planet. My wife. Uh, there you go. That's My a wife's perfect example. Them.
0: Yeah. As you're saying that, as you're saying that, I'm thinking. Leanne came out to be an actress, ended right. up then shifting into being a writer. Right. Had some success as a writer, and then got pregnant. Yeah. And then was a mom for 13 years. Yeah. Just floating around, but and and did. All she's done is soul searching. That's all she's ever done. And she sees things differently. I remember there was this guy who was quitting acting and comedy and he was moving home. And they were having a goodbye party for him. And I saw, and I thought, wow, that's so funny. And any other city you go to, a going away party, like a goodbye party, a bon voyage party is always so exciting. Yeah. Congrats, man. Have fun in L.A. I hope you do it. But right. in L.A., it's the exact opposite where you're like, so I guess you're giving up. It's soul crushing. It's soul crushing. And Leanne said to me oh no, how brave of him to decide this isn't where his life is going to be and that he gets to start his life all over again. And I went, I didn't see that at all. I just saw him as giving up. She goes, no, you're looking at it wrong. Yeah. And I think it was because Leanne had to give up on her dream of being an actress or being a, a, a screenwriter or a movie producer and transition into being a mother and a wife of a comedian who's following his dream. Right. And I think that's why... She loves doing this podcast now because she's like, oh, yeah, like, I, the dream's not dead. I get to do something creative. Yeah. You don't have, like, things have changed so much in this business that you can be creative in so many different venues. Yeah. And, and it's what I think is really cool about your podcast is that, like you know, like there's we're we're inundated with comics talking about comedy and talking about life and talking sure. about working out and and fucking shit in their pants, right. but there's very few people who have seen the life you've had and are talking about it,
3: yeah, yeah well that it's it's honestly, it's the most important thing I've ever done in my career is this podcast really uh it's it is very quickly becoming everything to me um because. I have been craving talking honestly about life. Here's the ironic thing about it: I have spent my career writing songs that um, that make me appear to be, you know, just ultra sensitive guy. You know, uh, not that I, I, I listen. I write great songs, and I and I connect with people. I know that I, I have the ability to to write songs that connect with people and, and mean something to them, but. The entire reason that I've been doing that is to, I, I don't know if this is actually w- w- what drives it or if it's just a byproduct of it, but people then think, oh my God, he's so sensitive, he's so honest, he's, oh, I would just love to be with somebody like that, and, and you, you, what I realized is that, no, I, I was just doing that for ego, you know i was just doing that to make me feel good to make me feel like i was important you know to to boost myself we all do that we all yeah. want to feel important but the irony is that the very act of being a songwriter is an incredibly selfish thing you know it it destroyed a marriage of mine um it it, it, it you know it took me tw- 20 years to achieve even half of the things that I wanted to achieve and I think of all of the the friendships that uh, that that fell by the wayside the the marriage that fell by the wayside um, the, the the quality you know relationships that I just kind of passed on because I was so focused on becoming the successful thing and um, and so now I'm finding that it's very... Cathartic for me to, to, to speak about it and, and open up about that a little bit and, and share with people. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pull back the curtain on, on anything. I'm not trying to throw people under the bus, but I won't feel good about myself unless I, you know, am a bit more open and honest about how I got here and what that journey has actually been like. And I think by doing that, I'm realizing that, um, that it's painting a a slightly more realistic, you know, uh, expectation for people that are, for young kids that are thinking about getting into this business.
0: That's, I, that's, I think, you know, so funny is I, I talk about comedy a lot on my podcast and I think people go, you know, I think a lot of people that listen to it are love comedy and they love hearing the curtain pulled back. But I wonder what effect it... Because it's had a big effect on me and the way I write and the way I look at comedy. I wonder what effect it'll have on the next generation of comics that all grew up listening to their favorite comics. Like, if I could have started comedy and listened to Dave Attell talk about writing jokes for fucking an hour... I would listen to that every day. Yeah. I would listen to every episode every day, nonstop over and over again. That's right. And I bet it'll, and my comedy has gotten better since I've podcasting. I wonder if that'll happen with your songwriting and what it'll do to the next generations of songwriters.
3: This is exactly why I'm so hopeful about the future of your business and my business. I think it's about to get a lot better because when I'm older than you, but when, when, when we were coming up you know you were lucky if you could get a a, a VHS tape that had some behind the scenes footage of something you know and now it's just all out there things like podcasts there's so there's so much more information out there for the next generation I'm really excited about the next generation of artists no matter what genre no matter what field of art you're in I'm so excited because they've got so much information at their oh my fingertips God. and uh, you know it's fun for me to watch new bands coming up you know every, everything is cyclical so you know every, every generation there's a band that sounds like Led Zeppelin there's a band that sounds like Aerosmith there's you know it, 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 it always comes back around but it's always a new interpretation of that yeah. probably the same thing in comedy I mean, you got, you, you got, a, I don't know, like who would you compare to, what is it, Lenny Bruce or or, or, or one of those guys? That,
0: I think it was Lenny Bruce, then it was Bill Hicks, then it was Stan Hope. Yeah. Like it's just, it kind of trickles down of like, he's the new this guy.
3: Right. But it's a new twist on it. You yeah. Know? And, and that, that excites me. I, that, that's so exciting. And I think that, I think that we are in an age now where I don't know if it's going to be the next generation or one that follows, but we're going to see, I'm just excited to see. What form art takes on, and, and the level of of honesty that 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 starts coming out of it, to me, that just thrills me.
0: Now, what are you now, what are you going to do on your podcast? Are you going to have you going to bring in other musicians? Or are you going to? It's you know,
3: uh, the obvious thing. You're is, eight episodes in, right? Uh, I'm, I think I'm getting ready to to film my sixth or seventh. Six, okay, yeah, something Six like that. Seven. Uh, it's uh, obviously uh, there will be a, a large music element to it, but. Um, but I, I really want to expand it. To be quite honest with you, um, I've started talking a lot about my bipolar disorder, um, and I think that that was something that startled my fans at first and my listeners. But the 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 outreach that I've gotten as as a result has, has been just absolutely oh. overwhelming. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God. And and, and you know,
0: it's, be- it's all worth it when that one guy you're standing on a uh-huh. on a corner in New Orleans and you're not doing a meet and greet and you don't feel good, and you bounce out, and the one guy comes up, and he grabs you, and he's shaking, and he goes, um, you're talking about anxiety Save my life, so I just want to say thank you, and don't ever question, because I was really fucked up, and I heard you talk about it, and I was like, well, fuck, if Bert's got it, then I got it. Okay, that's what it is. I'm not dying. Okay, so thanks. And you're like, yep. oh, that's why That's why you do the podcast. That is,
3: that's that's why I do everything. Yeah. It is literally, I, I would, and, and I'll tell you, I just, I got an email, um, I got an email last week uh, from a grandmother, and she, which was, I didn't even think the grandmothers were watching or listening to my podcast. And it was this beautiful letter where she said, (laughs) My granddaughter was just uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I didn't know anything about it, and and I think she said, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but she said, you know, I, I googled it, I tried to learn as much as I can, but I still don't feel like I can connect with my granddaughter and have a conversation with her about this thing that is so prevalent in her life. And after watching your podcast, I went and picked her up and brought her over to the house, and we sat and watched your podcast together because it was one where I was talking very openly about it. And uh, and she said that her granddaughter kept on pointing at the screen and saying, "Yeah, I've I've had that happen. I felt that way." Yeah. And it was, I gotta tell you, that's more than any song that I've written. Oh. That, that hit me, you know, and it made me realize this is what I have to be doing. I have to be having real conversations with people about what really matters. And I want my art to reflect that moving forward. Not that my art hasn't reflected that in the past, but I think that this gives me a a, a sense of, of approval to even maybe push that a little bit further, to open up and be a little bit more honest uh, in my art.
0: It'll be those things, that, that'll be the thing that like, Yeah, I think like I talked about PTSD, but it's not until I was sitting with this guy backstage and he was talking about his PTSD and I would always, everyone told me I'd had PTSD, but I I was like, yeah, but I wasn't in a war. I just did a TV show. And then all of a sudden he's talking about showers in the morning and I was like, oh wait, I had those showers and about getting done and the feeling when you get done the day and you're like, and I was like, I know that feeling. And then the feeling when you. Are losing your shit, and I was like, "Oh my god, I do have PTSD." Wow. And then so I was like, "Fuck it," and it's like, it's not like what my podcast is about, but it is po- my podcast is just about me, right? And and it's my journey or whatever with my friends or the conversations we have, the like, guy sharing conversations with cool people, yeah. And I just was like, "Fuck it," I'm going to talk about PTSD because there might be people, people who have it who worked on an oil rig or whatever, yeah. And just so they know that like you didn't have to go to the military to have it, like you could just be some idiot who got really fucking stressed out over a month of work from like some doing some dangerous shit and it creeps up and man, people are always like, um, oh, so like, and that's the, it's the fun thing about it, you know?
3: Well, and, and you know, as, as a songwriter, you are basically as a comic, I'm assuming you are an observer of life. Yeah. I, I mean, you have to be, and you, you, you can't just kind of watch it <coughs> on the periphery and, 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 kind of absorb some things. You are a real observer of life. That's how you connect with people. And as a songwriter, it's the same thing. And, um, and I, uh, I find that every single person on this planet is a a movie waiting to be made. You know, and if you just take some time and talk and, 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 and meet people and, act, you know, I mean, meet and greets are one thing. But if you actually stop and take that, and I've always done this with meet and greets, you know, with the exception. And I love your explanation of, of the of the drunk women that come up and just are so ornery and stuff. Oh. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's the same way in my world as yeah. well. Oh, I but, bet yours is. 10 oh, times dude, worse. It's, it's rough. It's rough. That wine breath. Oh. <laughs> but uh, but but back to my point is that if you just take that extra second. And look somebody in the eye and actually have a conversation. Listen to even one thing that they say, yeah. and process that. You become a better person. And 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 it's I,
0: so it uh, that as opposed to hey thanks a lot and right. just letting them him off. I always try to take the extra second as they walk away, yeah, and go hey just so you know thank you very much for coming to my show because yes. it really does mean a lot to me that someone would take money they earned. Oh yeah, sixty bucks is what it'll cost to go for you and your wife to go to my show. 60 bucks for for some people is their morning Yeah, you know that's their morning yeah that's them working an entire morning that's not even drinks that might be a whole day of work to come see me do stand up it means a great deal so I always try to go hey thank you very much
3: yeah listen it, you know it, you hear you hear artists go oh well you know they're, they're, they're the reason we're here no no they are the reason you're here
0: yeah it's such a bullshit thing when you see people go I just want to thank my fans and you go hang on do you really know yeah. are you like,
3: really thanking your God, are
0: you really thanking them because i really thank them like i right. really i had this year on new on christmas day i we had a really great christmas right and i and i think we were going somewhere oh we were about to go to uh, U- uh utah to go skiing and I was doing New Year's Eve in whatchamacallit. Then we were going to Utah. Then I was going to Atlanta with my friends to watch the championship game. And then I was going to New York. And then I was going to another place. I was doing a little bit of a tour. Right. And I, my, my pool is done. My house is done. We had a great Christmas. And I know we got a ski trip that we can afford. And I thought, how do I thank... Like, I really am grateful for every single person that bought a ticket. Because all those people gifted me a beautiful year that's right and I was like how do I thank them and not sound cheesy like and not sound like I want to thank the fans because it's not even like I had this guy this is the crazy thing I know you probably heard this I've said this before this is one of the most insane things I've ever heard and it fucking blew me away and it's how I feel about life this guy drunk as shit New Year's Eve shirts off in the meet and greet and they're trying to shuffle him out and he's hammered where I'm in West Palm And he goes, Hold on, hold on. I've got to take a minute with Bert. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. And they're like, sir. And I go, hold on, give him a minute. And he goes, No, no. This is important. Right. And he looks at me, he goes, I am a fan. You need to understand what that means. I am a fan of what you do. When you succeed, that makes me happy. Do you understand that? And I said, yeah, and he goes, no, no, no. Think of who you're a fan of and think of what I'm saying. Watching you succeed, watching you get to this level makes me happy. I root for you to succeed. I want you to get bigger. I want you to achieve all the things you want in your life because that will bring me joy. I'm a fan. And I thought to myself, I'm a fan. I'm a fan also I always came at this business as a fan. yeah, I'm a fan of Joe Rogan's when I first met when I when his podcast blows up the way it is the numbers he gets I brag on him to people right I go he's killing it right he's killing it on his own terms. I'm a fan of that shit yeah. I'm a fan of Jim Norton's. I'm yeah. a fan of Jim Norton's like when he has a special, I get excited for him when it kills, I get happy for him right like, I'm a fan of Rich Vosses. Like, like, I am a legit fan of so much shit that when they... I'm a fan of Tiger Woods. When he was lining up that last putt, I was like, come on, dude. Do this for both of us. I want you to be happy. Isn't that bizarre? And he said that to me, and I went, oh, fan is the right word. If you're a fan of mine, I'm a fan of yours. Yeah, absolutely. I want your life to be great. Absolutely. It really... That guy... As drunk as he was, and as all the bouncers were trying to get him out of there, and all his friends were like, bro, you gotta go. That was the most meaningful conversation I've an ever awesome had. What awesome
3: moment. What, what an a great,
0: aw- to put in perspective, that I, that I, because, like, people go, I'm a fan of yours. Like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, I didn't, it didn't mean anything until that moment. And then I was like, no, I'm a fan of a lot of shit.
3: Yeah that, you know, I just actually, uh, this, this week on my podcast, I decided I'm actually going to have fans on the podcast and it's going to be, I'm just going to be talking with fans yeah. because again, you know, people's stories are fucking interesting, man. It's the truth. And, and I, I, I've never felt comfortable with that separation between me and them. You know, I,
0: I've never felt comfortable with it either. I have friends that are very comfortable with it, that it makes them uncomfortable to not have the separation. Yeah. I, I, I have it to a fault or yeah. I'm like, or someone's like, hey, can I have your phone number? I'll be like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, so. Yeah, I'm
3: the same. I'm, yeah. I'm not a good rock star at all. I'm, I'm, I, oh. yeah, I give up my phone number all the time because if I sit and, and, and if I meet somebody and I find them interesting, of course I want to give them my phone number. Of course. That's how I know Halston, for Christ's sake. I met Halston at a show. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we just hit it off. And I thought, I really like this guy.
0: I got this message from a fan, uh, today. Hey, Bert, I left you weed in Charlotte. Just remembered that. Did you get my Instagram message?
3: Oh my That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> By the way, I know this guy because I remember the weed he left. Right. But yeah. yeah. <coughs> um, yeah, that is, uh, yeah, you and Halston met through, you guys were in Vegas.
3: We were in Vegas, And yeah. he saw
0: you and he's a fan of yours and he was he has the the t- title of your song tattooed on his ribs. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. And
0: then he geeked out and then didn't even go to the rest of the Papa Roach and there, concert.
3: And there's a lot of guys. By the way, all,
0: fall, I'm, you know how I am at Halston. He was just walking down the street and I'm yelling at Isla.
3: I love that and story. And he
0: heard Isla's name and was like, Bert Kreischer? And I was like, uh, yeah.
3: See, I love that story. Dude, so
0: many people know where I live because they recognize me on my street. Yeah, The yeah. FedEx guy. I walked <laughs> Out yesterday, and he's like, Bert. I go, What's up? <laughs> so many people have dropped off packages at my house and be like, Oh shit, Bert, what's up? I'm like, What's up? like now well now we know where i live like see but
3: i I think that's cool i I think
0: it's cool i don't it doesn't bother me now that i have guns but
3: uh i mean you look at i I don't know if you've had any any kind of you know we were talking about fans and 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 love them all but i don't know if you've had any that kind of crossed that threshold and 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 got got dangerous i i've had a couple of those and uh i mean i live in a very unassuming house you know right on a street there's you know here in, in in la and it's it's never an issue and i and and of course when i was living in nashville i was in a compound. I, it was this place was awesome and it was yeah. all gated and stuff. And I'll tell you what, during that time that I was living there, I feel like I I didn't I wasn't connecting with people as an artist. I was too removed. I was too exclusive. Yeah. I, I had bought into my own bullshit and and I was believing it. I believed I should be in a mansion, you know, I believed that, that all of that stuff and and then it just all kind of dawned on me one day. I I I I realized I don't even know how to write a song that connects with people anymore because I'm so exclusive. I, I've I've excluded myself from that.
0: Oh, I had an agent one time tell me uh, I was 180 pounds. I was going to spin class every day, and I had a ton of money. And uh, this agent is—he by the way, I don't—the brilliance of him sometimes you get brilliance and, and like and like shit sandwiches yeah. <laughs> and this guy was so good at giving you shit sandwiches but he just couldn't he couldn't help it he was so fucking blunt his name's andy cohen he runs a big company now and he goes uh i sit down and he goes oh i can't wait to see what your next hour is about uh just losing weight and going to spin class huh and i was like yeah and he's like, having money and just doing nothing yeah you'll relate to a lot of people Jeez. and i remember going like oh fuck i'm not living a life and I didn't even know that I'm living in L.A. life, going to spin class every day, going for a hike at Runyon Canyon, and not worrying about money. I was Jeez. like, Wait, "Who do I connect with?" Right. right. And I was like, "Oh <laughs> fuck!" He was. He was. He was awesome. The what, things he would say. We were one time. I had a. I had a really good showcase, and so for ICM, he worked at ICM, right. and so that next morning, uh, they took some meetings that they had already planned with other clients. That were already set up and they broke them in half and gave me half the meeting and gave the other client half the meeting happened to like three clients one of the clients was dane and uh and andy cohen in sony over in culver city andy co dane was a little upset rightfully so his meeting that he had scheduled and is now a shorter meeting and right. i got the front half and he got the end half right and uh Dane looks at me and he goes, this isn't about you, Bert. I apologize if it sounds like I'm talking about you. I'm just upset. We've had this meeting on the books for now, for like a month, and now it's cut in half. And he gets half of it, and I get half of it, and that shouldn't happen. And I'm sitting there, and Andy Cohen just goes, what can I tell you? No one wants to hear, hey, Monopoly, flip the board over oh, shit anymore, shit. okay? They want to hear what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, and it, I remember going like, whoa. Like, he was just so like, no one wants to hear. blah blah blah, blah. And I... Was like, whoa, this is my agent. He was so funny. He was like, you're never going to book a role. I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, you're never going to book a role. He's like, uh, you'll be Bert. Someone will hire Bert, but no one's hiring you to be a fucking actor. Wow. And I was like, and by the way, he was so accurate. I don't know if it was self-fulfilling, if I was like, yeah, and I never auditioned again. Right. But like, it's true. I get hired more as Bert. Sure. Like people would rather see Bert than say I admire to that be. though
3: I always I, even though it's a little abrasive and it can be uncomfortable I always admire people yeah that, that, that can just be that straightforward blunt
0: like Leanne Leanne the my my family used to say if you want to feel good about your feelings ask Bert if you want the truth ask Leanne ah. the, I, I'll always tell you whatever you want to hear oh that looks great on you and Leanne's like oh I do not like that and you're like like well, I did a play one time, and I got done the play. It was the first play I ever did. I come out of it, and I sit, get in the car with Leanne. I go, "What did you think?" She goes, "You are not a good actor." And I was See, like, "So,
3: so you're you're a because I always think of you as completely unfiltered and very honest yeah. about things, but you're a people pleaser, then aren't you? Oh, hardcore, yeah, yeah,
0: hardcore. And I don't like conversation. Yeah, I so get like it. you should listen to the Ashling B conversation I had with I, that Irish comic. You were here,
3: yeah, dude. I I did listen to that. I actually have I. I I was conflicted about that because yeah. she seems lovely. She,
0: she, she and, is. And, great.
3: and listen, she she made some points that I think were so important uh, because of this bigger discussion we're yeah. having right now about the unfairness of, of how women are treated. But I have to say that I, I take issue with her message because it was because I feel that when you're talking about the arts none of those rules can apply anymore i i I, i've and i I couldn't tell i i I kind of sensed that you you pushed back a little bit on it but i just think that that when it comes to the arts we can't put these regulators on it and and say you know um i because i personally don't care if you're white you're black you're you're gay you're straight you're a woman you're a man you made it not because you're Oh, you you joke about being white privileged a lot yeah You made it because you're fucking good at what you did and you, you worked the door and you fucking busted your ass and you took a lot of, you know, a a, a lot of hits for it. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but were you, was there ever a time where you were, where other people were pushed aside and you were let in just because you were a a white male?
0: Uh, I would say no, but. I would say I would say that like there is there are things I didn't get to say to her in this in the conversation. I don't like conversation totally. I'd rather have a I good conversation. Yeah. But like I I'll, the one of the things that is very white privilege is consumers. So like I worked with a black comic. I wish I could remember his name. Kevin something. He's really talented. We were in Chicago. He opened for me. He was older than me and he was destroying and I was having a hard time following him. Right. And then the middle of the weekend A little frustrated. I think he's—he was a little frustrated. He goes, "I don't understand why you're headlining and I'm not. Hmm. Like why they don't switch it up." I was like, "I don't know either." Like I really, like, and then we kind of broke it down, and I realized they—they can't put a a black man's face on a poster and expect white people to show up because white people are conditioned to go. That black guy is probably a black knight. Right. I don't want to go to that night because they're going right. to single me out and it's going to be uncomfortable. I don't, I'm not going to get any of the jokes. So they just don't go. Right. The same way black people don't go to a white guy.
3: Yeah, I understand But like that. they're
0: not, but the, if you're doing business in a, in Schaumburg where that was, you, you put a white guy's face up and people, white people will go, oh, let's, let's give it a try. Right. And so. I think well, in I that, think that in that, I think that essence, she had a,
3: I think she obviously she had a point, and it's a very real. Well, it's the same thing happens with a,
0: women. You can't put a woman's face up there and move tickets the way you could like a white guy's face.
3: See, I, I I'm I wasn't aware of that.
0: No, it's just it's just true. But that's not. But
3: but geez, my my thing is this: is
0: that you. And by the way, I mean like a, a, just a woman and a white guy, not like Eliza Slasher, Jurb Kreischer, like. Just a woman, and then a white guy. Like there are guys still in this world that go, "I'm not. I don't want to see that. I'm going to go see that guy."
3: Uh, and yeah. so,
0: so cl- clubs know that competing. I've but- always
3: just felt like, like you, you, you create your art, and then eventually the audience votes on it, and they vote yeah. whether you're good or whether you're bad. They vote whether they like you, whether they want to hear more of you, or whether they don't. I guess the part that I'm not getting, and this is, this is, you know, I guess what she's saying, and and, and it probably is true, is that. That, that her audience is, isn't even being given a chance to vote because well,
0: no, well she's they do vote they I, there, there was there were in in hindsight and i think i tried to stand up for this and i don't think i made my point clear but the inaccuracies that are are inherent in that argument is is what i was saying is that we're t- we're talking about consumers. We're in a business where the consumer buys the ticket. Right. So if you allow and you and the club is a privately owned club, and by the way, the the booker is very cognizant of trying to make booker's Adam Egit. He is a sweet guy, and he's very cognizant of trying to make it a very broad. Uh, span of talent throughout an evening he is extremely cognizant of making sure there are women on the bill and i think there are a lot of white comics that heard that that then argued to me this is bullshit because as a white guy like and this is a little true but a, a lot of the women that haven't been doing it maybe as long as myself will call and get spots you know a little easier Not than me I, I'm, I can get spots Whenever I want But they will get spots Easier than A per, a guy at their same level Right Because right. they're a woman And that And I think that Is what a lot of male A lot of male comics A lot of comics In general uh, Messaged me After that podcast And then And then the other thing That is That is not fair In this argument it, That is, was not spoken Was that So Women Once you get to A certain place As a woman You leapfrog Far as fuck yeah. So like it's seven years as a comic, as a woman, if you are at all competent in your craft and, and you get opportunities that a guy would never get at seven years. Right. And that's the reason that it's the reason that. People go shit on Amy Schumer's because, as a seven-year comic, she became the biggest comic in the world. Right, right. and I mean she she shouldn't be. A guy would that won't happen to a guy right. only because there's so many guys in the business. You're never going to be bigger than Chris Rock. Right. But as Amy, you're very quickly the biggest female comic in the world. Right. At, at ten years, Amy was the biggest comic in the world. She's right. only been doing it ten years. Right, as right. a guy, that would just won't happen. Well, I mean, it I, does I, sometimes, I but it doesn't in that. I, I, and that, I, I, these are all arguments that all my friends have been emailing me nonstop, and and I wish I had had with Ashling. But
3: well, and and like I said, I mean, listen, I, I I understand that frustration, and and um and in the broader spectrum, outside of the arts. This is absolutely a discussion we need to be having because yeah. women women are incredibly unfairly treated in the corporate world. Uh, I mean across the board. But here's my problem. The arts do not owe anybody a career. No, you're right about that. You are that. not entitled to a career. There in almost every other profession there is a natural progression if you if you learn the trade, if you work hard, if you improve your skill set, you will eventually find your way in that career. Yeah. The arts just isn't that. It never has been that. You did not get to where you were going or where you are because you followed this this straight oh, regimen of things. Neither did thing, I.
0: That's the thing that makes most comics the most angry is when they go, but you didn't pay your dues. And you're like, no, no, no. It's not about it's not just about paying dues sometimes in the arts talent or 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 the th- the it factor just leapfrogs and Absolutely. just leapfrogs look at gerard gerard carmichael right. he's a young comic right. and all of a sudden spike yeah. lee likes him and 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 it, he does his thing and everyone falls in love with the guy is it unfair
3: Absolutely. Yeah, Is it, a, it unjust? Yeah. Absolutely. Is it frustrating? Adam Absolutely. Devine.
0: Adam Devine wrote uh, "Workaholics" with his friends. Right. Shot a couple of them. Comedy Central bought it. Everyone fell in love with it. Yeah. Is it fair that that Adam, you know, probably isn't as he's at, he's bigger than. Bill Burr is a movie star, right? But Bill's—is it fair? No, but it doesn't fucking matter, you right?
3: Know? And I—and again, I just want to make that clear, so that you know people don't start lambasting me oh, for for saying that they but, won't on my podcast, but but, like, there but were a lot truly of
0: people sided with.
3: Truly, I just I, I firmly believe that that. We are so fucking lucky to be able to do what we want to do. It is luck, dude. Yes, we both have to have skills, but it is luck that we are here doing this. We just got fucking lucky. Nobody owed it to us. Yes,
0: I feel lucky. I'm the luckiest man in the fucking world. Me too. I am definitely. Well, now I feel like you got to have me on your podcast. Please. Like, I would love to come on your podcast. How long have we gone, Halston? Uh, 220. 220, that's perfect.
3: That's longest perfect. podcast I've ever done. That's right. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, you know, it was funny. The first one I did was like an hour and 10 minutes, and and uh, it felt like four hours. So uh, I was yeah. like, whew, how, how, how long, Halston? An uh, hour and 10 minutes. like, Jesus, this is going to be rough.
0: <laughs> oh, we've had some that have been that like that, where I'm like, how much? And he's like, 59 minutes. And I'm like, huh, so what was your mom like?
3: <laughs> well, dude, th- th- thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> no, I appreciate I like, it. This has been a
0: great conversation.
3: I, I really have loved this.
0: I'm interested to see what Dan Adler thinks, because he always tells me, he'll like, uh, I didn't like that one. It was too much comedy. Comedy. And this one, I think he's going to be like, oh, I love that conversation. Oh, good. Um, so I appreciate you doing this. And the name of your podcast is...
3: It's Jamcast, the James Michael podcast.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's where Jamcast came from. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Because well, I, I listened to the intro music and I was like... And Leanne was singing it along with it. Yeah. And I was like, yes. how do that's, you know... That's
3: Halston on there going,
0: cha-cha-jamcast.
3: Really? Halston. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, the last thing I'll say is, what. here's what I want to do. I want to come on your podcast... I want to do an interactive podcast where we write my Jimmy Buffett album. Dude. And, and, uh, and that will be the next phase of my career is just doing Jimmy Buffett shows. Let's I, do it. Where I write songs that are based off of things that are like, uh, like we'll have one song, one more Tito's and soda, please.
3: Dude, I do the podcast in my recording studio. So we'll, we'll be all set up and ready to go. We'll start tracking that shit as we, as we do I'm it. I'm
0: done drinking. I think I'll eat an edible is one of my songs. <laughs> I love it. I, love I it. carry minis in my backpack. <laughs> These are my song <laughs> album titles,
3: oh my God,
0: <laughs> and they're just for my fans of drinking uh, uh, well, I appreciate you doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank uh, you it's very been a much, blast, man. yeah, likewise, and Halston way did not chime in at all. He didn't say a word. I don't like to talk much. I heard Halston on your first episode, uh, and he was such a douche in one part, like he goes oh. he goes, uh, you know, as I think day-to-day like you were were so (laughs) (laughs) you were so a musician you were so a musician (laughs) i was like oh i don't get that side of him at all (laughs) i don't get that
2: side I think I think I was nervous the first podcast a little bit for sure. Were you?
0: Uh, yeah, you, you know it's kind of
2: a big deal. Oh, it made me podcast. laugh
0: so hard. I listened to it over and over. You know, as the days <laughs> go on, <laughs> I think as you said, as the days go on, day to day. Oh my right. god! I, know I just threw
3: to about. him like yeah. for a, for a quick little quip, uh, and there's like, "Well, it all began." It,
0: it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The more you do these, the more fun they are, and the more you become more relaxed. Like yeah. I was horrible at the first, but when Halston said that, I started laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> I must have played it over five times because it's also Going as the days go on, day to day. day, to day, like, day. You fucking <laughs> idiot! I know it exactly what you're talking about. He was talking about different sounds of of bands or something, and I was like, oh, as the days go on, I find myself pulling away from certain bands and sounds. You know what?
3: You know what's awesome though. He's turning into a little bit of a rock star. He's getting he's getting a pretty big following on social media because he keeps popping up on the podcast and and some of my fans are starting to be Halston fans.
0: I'll say this wholeheartedly. The day you guys started your podcast, he came and told us and we got so excited for him. Cause he was like, my life's changing. Everything's happening. I'm doing another podcast.
3: Listen, seriously, he's a a fucking inspiration story, dude. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's. He's a man who has
0: willed his destiny on accident. You are you are a beautiful disaster, Halston. (laughs) You have (laughs) walked into your careers literally bumped into them twice. Yeah, Yeah. just literally walking down the street at the right time. Yeah, it. This is the uh, if you ever see Halston walking around your city, follow him. (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) because he's going
3: someplace. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you again for having me on. It's just, and like I said, you you really are inspiring me in in a lot of ways. So I
0: appreciate it. Well, I can't wait to do your podcast now.
3: Awesome, dude. Awesome. Thank you. Right on. That was fucking great.